Hey folks, it's Cody Stoffer with Playmakers Corner, here to tell you about Code Red Coaching. Competing in athletics means you've lifted the weights, you've watched film, and you've got the passion. Problem is, that's what everyone else in the state has done. Perfect your game by honing in on your mental performance with Code Red Coaching. Whether you are a team or an individual, Code Red Coaching has the tools to create mentally solid habits and set up you or your team for success. Find Code Red Coaching at coderedcoaching.com or call 720-979-1914 to learn more today. That's coderedcoaching.com or 720-979-1914 today. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is episode 206. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And we got this week seven Colorado high school football, of course, for the 2022 season recap here for y'all. Hey, it's been a couple weeks here. I let Cody do the episode the last two weeks. And so I got this one right here. But this weekend might have been Heike, the best weekend for Colorado high school football this season, if I'm being completely honest with you. Obviously, there will be better weekends, hopefully, as playoffs approach here in less than a month now and whatnot. But this last weekend, we had a lot of great matchups, a lot of interesting storylines. And so here on this episode, you know what it is. We're going to recap these games, uh, talk about all the, well, most of the key games that happened, talk about playoff chances as well for teams as we go down the line here and talk about the scores. We'll talk about the games we attended. We attended a couple games, uh, two big time ranked games uh, between two teams vying for a spot here in the top 10 or top 8 here going forward and then we went to two big time rivalry games on opposite sides of the state then after that we got power rankings per usual you know we have a couple of shakeups here and there it'll give you a good idea of you know the top dogs in each of these uh classifications and whatnot and then we got playmakers of the week brought to you by code red coaching by the way and uh yeah oh and then uh girls uh women's high school flag football update as this weekend will be a big one for that but without further ado let's go ahead and hop into this thing let's talk about thursday night games october 6th all right let's get it so First things first, we are going to start in 5A here and work our way down, but we got Overland versus North Glen. Overland takes care of business, big time league game here, winning 48-6. to Then we got Doherty versus Denver East here in that same league, I believe. Doherty wins 28-16, to improving to 4-3 on the season. Now Doherty, they'll get Westminster, North Glen, and Overland to end their season Winning out will probably win them their league and give them a ticket, a spot in the playoffs. I think that's pretty much a guaranteed. Now, if they win two out of those three games, it would depend what it is. I think beating Overland will be important as I believe they are right next to them or if not the top dogs in that league. So we'll see how that goes. You know, maybe it'll be a little bit more up in the air, but winning league will be important for whichever of these teams want to make it to the playoffs here. So there you go there. Now we got Chatfield versus Pomona. Chatfield rolling. Wins 45 to 17. Uh, moving to three and four. Now Chatfield, they have Lakewood, Ralston Valley, and Columbine to end the season. Not an easy schedule by any means here at the end. But assuming they beat Lakewood, which I feel like they should, 
you know, getting a win over Columbine or Austin Valley should guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. Now, if they lose to both, we'll I mean, they'll be four and six. I, I don't know. I mean, they do have kind of a tougher schedule, so maybe that'll bail them out and put them in the playoffs, but it'll be, you know, the back end of the playoffs. Like, they'll, they'll be on the bubble for sure, but I truly believe if they beat one of these teams and at least go 5-5 five and five on the season, then although the record is on the bubble, they're at 500, I think they have enough quality games played and a quality dub here to go ahead and get into the playoffs, but it's do or die for Chatfield now, you know, and so we'll see if they make it or not. They are definitely on the bubble. Now, speaking of 5A teams and being on the bubble here, we have Grandview versus Arapaho. Grandview obviously ranked over Arapaho, and Arapaho upsets Grandview 28-21, to receiving touchdowns to Andrew Smart, Charlie Cook, and Charlie Eck or sorry, Charlie Eckhart and Eli Anderson would actually put Arapaho uh, up 28 to zero at halftime, taking a dominant lead. Now, look, Grandview would try to get back to this game. They would score 21 points, but they would come up short. They would be stopped on a very, very critical fourth and three situation with two minutes left. And once they couldn't get that, that was a wrap as Arapaho wins 28 to 21 in a big time upset win for them in Centennial League play. Now, Grandview is basically a lock for the playoffs, basically probably a lock for yeah, maybe being a top 12 team in the playoffs we'll see how the rest of the season goes you know but they should make the playoffs Arapaho on the other hand we weren't sure if they were gonna make the playoffs but honestly if they get through league and they go at least 500 they'll have a very good case for the playoffs as they've played almost all playoff teams here on the schedule with the exception of uh maybe two teams so they're in a pretty good spot here they're four and three right now so just keep an eye on Arapaho here now moving on though we got fairview versus pooter this would be another key league game uh fairview would go ahead and escape with the win 33 to 31 over pooter no need really to go into it i mean they did what they had to do you know and they won and that's honestly all that matters at this point fairview is six and one right now pooter uh, five and two right now, so it's not like either team is out of the playoffs. Both teams are pretty much gonna make the playoffs. It all just really depends on who gets, um, you know, a top seed, a top twelve seed in the playoffs. As uh, moving forward, they'll have to play the likes of Fossil Ridge. I think for both teams, that'll be very important in deciding who will win league speaking of foster ridge they go ahead and take care of boulder 45 to 10 doing their thing here still no tyler kubat i don't know if he is done for the season from what i've heard it doesn't sound like he is done for the season but it doesn't matter as the sophomore quarterback colton pollock continues to find a way to get it done here in this game he won 7-11 for 125 passing yards 
two touchdowns, two picks, you know, so a little sloppy there over the passing, but made it up on the ground. He ran for 107 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jeff Toshkoff, another sophomore, doing his thing as well, still 80 yards and two touchdowns on this game as Fossil Ridge takes care of business against Boulder. And like I said, you know, should be making the playoffs here. But these matchups against Fairview uh, at the end and Pooter, I believe, will help decide who may get a top seed in the 5A playoffs. Uh, moving on, though, last 5A matchup I want to talk about Thunder Ridge versus Castleview. Thunder Ridge gets it done. 35-6, a blowout win here. Cooper Kier, uh, another very good game here. 20-28, 262 passing yards. Three touchdowns to one interception. Also had seven carries for 60 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Doing a good job there, taking care of the ball. Uh, Richard Okuno had a very good game here. One of his best of the season. Ten receptions, 139 receiving yards and a touchdown. And then Caden Shouse continuing his reign of terror. Eight tackles, four tackles for loss, and two sacks as Thunder Ridge continues to be undefeated at 7-0 here. They play Highlands Ranch next week before having two very important matchups against Valor Christian and Rock Canyon that should help determine whether they'll get a top seed in the playoffs, a top 12 seed in the playoffs or not. Um, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure they just ended Castleview season after this regular season. Castleview now dropping to a kind of disappointing 1-6 here. I don't believe they will be able to make the playoffs here even if they do win out. So there you go. Moving on to Foray here still on Thursday. Broomfield versus Aurora Central. No Cole LaCrue for this game. But go ahead and play that That's So Raven uh, theme here because we got a glimpse into the future here with C.T. Worley getting his first varsity start of his career. And, you know, C.T. is a quarterback that we've been watching train and work hard basically since he was a freshman for a minute now, you know. And now I actually I think before that really uh if you want to if you want to go back that far and we have the receipts for it and so we were very happy to uh you know well not too happy but happy to see him you know get a chance to go play against aurora central uh cola crew getting much needed rest after you know tearing it up these the last couple weeks here but no worries here broomfield goes ahead and wins 42 to 0 ct worley like i said in his first varsity start 17 of 24 268 passing yards Three passing touchdowns, did throw one pick, but it's fine as Broomfield continues to stay undefeated at 7-0. Uh, great job by the defense as well. They had two interceptions and I believe two fumble recoveries as they shut down Aurora Central and might have just ended their playoff hopes here. Aurora Central is now 2-4. and four. They don't face an easier schedule. It's still league play, and so we'll see what happens with them. Broomfield, though, for sure... A lock in the playoffs and probably a lock for a top 12 seed here. Broomfield gets Adam City and then a big matchup with Fruita Monument on the 21st. That's one that we may need to go out to potentially. We'll see. And then they also get Heritage at the end who is looking to put together a run of their own and make the playoffs for the first time in a minute. Speaking of Heritage, they go ahead and beat Adam City 42-0. to uh, They sit in a great spot at 4-2. Their next three games are against Stanley Lake, a 
very tough squad, Aurora Central, and then Broomfield. At this point, I would say one more win guarantees them a spot in the playoffs for the first time since 2019, where they had that beast that was Terrence Ferguson, who's now balling out for Oregon right now. Uh, and so that'll be big time for them. They should, I mean, even if they do lose the rest of their games, which I don't think will happen, they will have a good argument for the playoffs regardless. But like I said, one more win guarantees them a spot in the playoffs. Now, where in the playoffs will be the more interesting question. And so we'll see what happens. Like I said, that Broomfield game will be key for them. Moving on, though, we got Dakota Ridge and Bear Creek, another very competitive league here. Dakota Ridge keeping their playoff hopes alive, um, more than alive, really, as they completely obliterate Bear Creek 63-28 to behind a 20-carry, 191-yard, 5-rushing touchdown, and then 1 reception for 36-yard performance from the senior stud running back, Noah Triplett absolutely going ballistic in this game here a game that dakota ridge frankly needed to win to keep their playoff hopes alive so there you go uh blake paladino also played a very clean game here going seven of nine only missed two passes for 130 passing yards and a touchdown also ran 10 times for 93 rushing yards and a touchdown good performance from him as well dakota ridge moves to three and four now if they win out against golden grand junction and stanley lake they should definitely make the playoffs, uh, but Golden and Stanley Lake will put up a fight. Stanley Lake, you know, they know what they have over there, but they're coached extremely tough. They're going to play you tough and close, especially knowing that they could uh, potentially end your season there. That is definitely a game to take seriously. And then you got Golden. Golden is the team that can beat y'all. Uh, you know, played them close last year. They still got Giselle Riley the fourth over there as Golden has been surging forward as well. Trying to make the playoffs potentially take your playoff spot in the playoffs. And so uh, we'll see what happens there. But Dakota Ridge will continue to, I mean, they'll need to continue to get big wins here. Uh, beating Bear Creek by this much will go a long way and helping them down the road though so there you go now bear creek on the other hand they're still four and three now they get grand junction stanley lake and ponderosa to end uh the season here winning two of those three would put them in the playoffs if they go five and five there's a good chance they make it but there are no guarantees unless that one win is against ponderosa unless one of those wins is against ponderosa so we'll see but no i mean they shouldn't have to panic right now if you're bear creek they're probably still in a good spot to make the playoffs so there you go uh, moving on though grand junction versus fruit of monument fruit of monument bounces back and blows out grand junction as they should 35 to 14 they improve to five and two and they pull aurora central next week and then broomfield after that which will probably be for league and basically if they beat broomfield then they guarantee a spot in the top 12 here i would think Moving on though, Liberty versus Centaurus. Uh, Liberty beats them 20 to 14, and Liberty, uh, in a surprising fashion, five and two with wins over Sierra Gateway, which was a forfeit, Hinkley, Palmer, and now Centaurus here. Now Liberty, they get Thomas Jefferson, Thornton, and Widefield next. Not the easiest schedule left here, 
but in a very good spot, you know, they might have a chance to make the playoffs for the first time in, in a while. You know, I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I, I think this might be the best record Liberty has had since I played for them back in the day, back in 2015. That was a while ago. I'm aging myself there. But whatever, there you go there. So keep an eye on Liberty here, you know. Thomas Jefferson, Thornton, Widefield, but all tough teams. So we'll see. Uh, moving on, though, Englewood versus Alameda. Englewood wins 40-14, to moves to 4-2. Now, they got games against TCA, Denver West, and Kent Denver to end the season. Winning the Denver West and Kent Denver games will be key to making the playoffs. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't know how good their chances are at beating TCA, but it would never hurt to beat the undefeated team and beat the number one team in two-way. So we'll see about that, but... Like I said, winning two of those last three games will go a long way in making the playoffs for Englewood. And last but not least, we have Banning Lewis Academy versus Rocky Ford. And they go ahead and take care of business, winning 52-12. to 12. Uh, Really, as they should. They sh If they lost this game, then they're not making the playoffs, I don't think. But Banning Lewis Academy goes to 5-2. and two. Rocky Ford definitely out of the playoff picture at 0-6. Now, this is where it gets interesting for Banning Lewis Academy. They're going to have to play their best football possible because for them, basically the playoffs start now. They get Colorado Springs Christian uh, this week. That's a game that'll be a big one for both of those teams. You know, they have to win that one. Then they get Ride. That'll probably be for League. And if they want to make the playoffs for the first time ever, they gotta win League. That's just my opinion here. Uh... So they got to beat them. That's on Saturday, October 22. That'll be a big time game um, that they will host at home. And so that'll be big for them. And so if they win these next two games, Banning Lewis Academy against Colorado Springs Christian and Rye, then at this point, they basically punched their way into the playoffs. They really shouldn't lose to Ellicott at the end of the season. That's just my opinion. But if they win two of these last three here, they should make the playoffs. Ideally, though, these next two games will be the ones that decide it for them. So we will see what happens. Uh, real quick, though, Chase Real, seven carries, 81 rushing yards, four touchdowns, and a great performance against Rocky Ford. Um... He's like that. Oh, plus a 13-yard reception. So there you go there. Banning Lewis Academy keeps it going as they tried to make the playoffs. All right, now the last Thursday night game I want to talk about is a game that we went to, myself and Cody. Evergreen versus Green Mountain. Both of these teams in the same league. Top teams in 3A. I believe Green Mountain was tied for second and, Green, or, and Evergreen was sixth in our PMC rankings. So a pretty big matchup, and this is a game where, you know, winning this one will definitely be a step forward in deciding who wins this league. Not quite a league championship because Littleton exists, but it would be a step forward in deciding who's the league champion. And so let's talk about it because it was an instant thriller. Evergreen starts with the ball here. Um, they try to get some things going, but unfortunately they go three and out. And so they punt it. But Green Mountain muffs the punt. So this is basically a long pass. And Evergreen recovers the punt here. And so they get a first down and take over on the Green Mountain 39-yard line here. Now, a couple plays and they try to throw the ball. You know, throw a couple of short passes here. 
they do get in a fourth and five situation. But no worries here. Tommy Pahulski finds his receiver. I believe it's number three, Kyle Solowitz here, uh, who goes ahead and gets a nice first down. But unfortunately, there is a fumble here. Evergreen recovers it, but it kind of puts them back. Uh, pretty far here, not the greatest thing to happen to them, and that kind of kills the um, vibe of this drive. And so it's fourth and eight, you know, after a short pass, and Evergreen decides to kick a field goal, and it's good. They take the 3-0 lead with about 8 minutes, 28 seconds left. Now, Green Mountain, they take over on the 28 here. A um, couple of short runs by DeGrazia and Wallace later. It is third and five here. Now, an encroachment. Uh, penalty call will make it a first down, so this drive keeps going. But then a false start before they could even get the uh, snap off makes it first and 15. Uh, but no worries, Anthony DeGrazia he gets a nice five yard gain. Another run by three yards um, goes for a nice gain, but there is a penalty, and so that makes it second and 25 instead. Uh, they go ahead and call a draw play. Uh, Green Mountain does, and so it's third and 15. And then an incomplete pass will basically bring up a punt and a three and out. But Green Mountain, they punt the ball, and it's Evergreen's turn to go ahead and muff a punt. And Green Mountain takes over, so just like Evergreen's drive started, Green Mountain's is going the same way here. And so they take over on the 30 going in and so zach wallace on the keeper right after that gets another first down that puts them on the 29 here and then anthony DeGrazia would end this drive with a 29 yard rushing touchdown making it six to three green mountain they would miss the pat here which would be key moving forward there's about four minutes 46 seconds left here as evergreen takes over on the 35 yard line uh by the way left in the first quarter so there you go. They run the ball here. They're trying to run the ball, but unfortunately, it brings out basically a three and out. And so Evergreen elects to punt it. But as they punt it, there's a third straight drop here. Uh, dropped punt here, which puts Evergreen on the 19 for a first down as they would recover it and keep their drive alive. So there you go there. Now, couple plays later they're trying to run the ball they're just not getting anything green mountain playing very tough defense and so evergreen once again brings out the field goal unit they tried to kick it but green mountain deflects it no points this time and so green mountain they take over on the 20 with two minutes left here in the first quarter couple plays later you know uh they have a toss play that is blown up but on top of that there are offsetting penalties um, most importantly that toss play was blown up so that brings up a third and 15 and they aren't able to go ahead and convert here and so they would go ahead and punt it but more special teams shenanigans happens not a you know not a muffed punt this time but Evergreen gets a blocked punt. They go ahead and block this one. And so they set themselves up on the 17-yard line in the red zone with two or sorry, with 12 seconds left here. They would run a play, bring up second and ten. And so that's where Evergreen is to start the second quarter. 
here in the second quarter here. They go ahead and get a first down. Jack Johnson on the run up the middle. So there you go there. Then they give it to Gabe Zimmer. Uh, he gets a couple of yards, making it second and seven uh, on the goal line. They're on the seven-yard line here. Then a stretch play goes for a couple yards, bringing up third and two, a very manageable third and two. And to end this drive, Tommy Poholski finds his running back, Gabe Zimmer, for a quick throw. That goes for a touchdown, and Evergreen retakes the lead, leading 10-6 after the PAT. Now Green Mountain, they're not really a throwing team. They're going to try to run it, and that's what they do on this drive. But a tough situation, a holding penalty happens, and so they're put in a tough situation where it's second and 17. Um, they managed to make it third and 16 after a short run, and so here they go. They have to pass it, and Jack Johnson for Evergreen gets a huge sack, making it fourth and 25. Now... I don't know why, but Green Mountain decides to go for it on 4th and 25, and they throw it, even though they're not really a throwing team. And as you could probably expect, they don't get it. And so that's a turnover on downs. And Evergreen takes over on the 25 with 5 minutes and 4 seconds left here in the half. Now Evergreen in a position to take a commanding lead. Run the ball a couple times. They do uh, run the ball up the middle for a first down. That sets up this next play where they go ahead and dial up a deep shot here. And man, was it a beautiful throw here. Tommy Paholski, 52-yard touchdown throw on the money, accurate, great timing to his receiver um, number 11. That is Mike Crane on a 50-plus-yard bomb. To go ahead and give Evergreen a two-score lead here. Great throw here on this touchdown throw. As Evergreen now has a commanding 17-6 lead here in the second quarter. Now Green Mountain, they are trying to get something going here. Um, Wallace, at one point, he scrambles around. He finds a receiver number one, number 19, that is Waylon Weeks, for a big-time 25-yard gain. That kind of keeps this drive alive and whatnot. But, you know, it does come down to a fourth-and-short situation here. They run it up the middle here, and they don't quite get it. They even measure this one, and Evergreen actually stops them and takes over on downs with about a minute left here. And so Evergreen takes over on the 29. Uh, I thought they might try to put together a drive, get in field goal range, or get another score, but Evergreen, with a minute left, a minute 10 seconds left basically, decides to run out the clock and go into halftime with a 17 to 6 lead uh just remember that that's going to be important moving forward and so here in the third quarter green mountain they take over on the 25 they get the ball to start here in the second half green mountain has a good script here they are running the ball well and they are doing what they can running a lot of read options running dives sweeps tosses and eventually that is good enough to get them here in the red zone here putting them on the 14 yard line with a first down for some reason though they decide to throw it <laughs> instead of running the ball and so a couple incompletions later and after one short run it is fourth and seven and so they're here they don't want to kick a field goal they decide to go for it 
and Sam Grimshaw for Evergreen would go ahead and kill this drive and get a big time interception to go ahead and end Green Mountain's drive here. And so Evergreen, they have the ball. They have a two score lead here in the third quarter. There's about four minutes and 55 seconds here. They take over on the 35 because there was a personal foul here. And so they're, they're running the ball. You know, they are very much decided on that. Well, then they decide to throw here, and it doesn't quite work out. They get an incompletion on second and 10. And then it is third and 10 after another short throw that really doesn't go anywhere. And so now it's third and 10. They have to throw the ball to get the first down. But Tommy Paholski is sacked by Dominique Sanchez. And so that brings up a fourth and 20 here, a very tough situation. And so they have to punt it, but more special teams issues here for Evergreen would happen as the snap would just go directly over the punter's head here. A bad snap here. And so Green Mountain would go ahead and take over on the one yard line here in the red zone. And, you know, it would take a lot to mess up this opportunity. And so Green Mountain doesn't mess up this opportunity. And they go ahead and score. That is number 22. I believe that's Anthony DeGrazia. Yes, on the misdirection run here for the short touchdown. Making it a manageable 17-14 to 14 game. That's after Anthony DeGrazia gets the two-point conversion on the pitch play. And so just like that, Evergreen with a two-score now with only a three-point lead and so evergreen takes over with a minute 37 seconds left here in the third quarter and they're on the 40 yard line here now a couple miscommunications here leads to a delay of game making it first and 15 then they try to throw it the pass is dropped uh by the receiver so that makes it second and 14 and then they try to throw it again it is deflected at the line so it's third and 14. Uh, Tommy Poholski then finds number three Kyle Solowitz uh, for a nice game, making it fourth and five. But at this point, uh, surprisingly enough, Evergreen decides to punt it instead of go for it. They're kind of near midfield. I get it, I guess. But they punt it. Uh, no crazy shenanigans here. They actually punt it. But Green Mountain would actually take over on the 50, getting a nice return here with about 41 seconds left here in the third quarter and so uh they do get a nice first down uh by number 20 that is george sapi sape i want to say excuse me if i'm saying that wrong please let us know so that we can say your name right uh so there you go there uh after that though it is a third and six situation uh zach wallace the quarterback on the keeper tries to get the first down but he's stopped by russ woodward big play here that brings up fourth and six going into the fourth quarter here and fourth and six for green mountain they decide to go for it and they actually pass it and it's incomplete like i said it's not really their game but it doesn't matter evergreen you know they take over at midfield on the 46 here and so here we go they're trying to get another score here potentially put it away here and so they are gonna do that by giving the ball off to Gabe Zimmerer on second down he gets a nice first down on a 10-yard run up the middle after that on a stretch play he gets them another first down putting them on the 35 then there's a fumble uh 
the handoff is just dropped. And so that makes it third and 12 here. Um, and go ahead and make that third and 22 basically after another holding penalty. And so here we go. Third and 22. Tommy Poholski rolls out and he throws a dot. But it's dropped. Um, they do throw a pass interference though on Green Mountain. And so they make it third and nine here. Repe repeating third down. And so Poholski, he makes a couple people miss. But throws it. And it's not the greatest throw here. He was under pressure. So there you go. And so it's fourth and nine here. And Evergreen decides to go for it here. And so they call a pass play. They throw it's a good ball. It gets the receiver, but is it's just dropped. Uh Green Mountain punishes the receiver, hits him pretty hard after that drop as well. And so Green Mountain takes over on the 27 with about eight minutes and forty-four seconds here in this game. And so with the ball, Green Mountain with plenty of time, they run their offense, they run it. Um, do have a couple of throws here, but for the most part, it's Wallace that is running this ball here. It's uh, Polonot, I want to say, number three, who's running this ball here. Uh, they do get a couple throws in, not too many, but, you know, uh, they find Donnie Carney on one throw here. But a big personal foul throw on Evergreen would actually give Green Mountain a good chunk here and a first down, putting them on the 14. A couple plays later, though, Evergreen is able to kind of hold them here. And so Green Mountain decides to kick it, and they do, tying this game at 17-17 with about 3 minutes and 37 seconds left here in this game and so evergreen with the ball you know they have a chance to win this game and they give it to gabe zimmer a couple of teams on a couple of stretch plays here um the first one goes for five the next stretch play goes for four making it third and one doesn't matter they hand it off to gabe again and he gets the first down on the dive and they're now on the 47 after that they run another stretch play making it second and nine only one for one yard then they throw the ball here nice hitch route catch makes it third and four and then zimmer runs another stretch play here and he gets stuffed uh tackle for loss actually and so that brings up fourth and five not exactly the most uh you know unpredictable plays here so there you go green mountain would go ahead and take a timeout their final one with about 51 seconds left here before fourth and five here. Evergreen going for it. They go ahead and drop Boholski back. And he throws it to number 18, uh, his receiver. But he is not able to bring it in. And so Green Mountain goes ahead and uh, forces a turnover on downs. And so they take over near midfield with about 46 seconds left here in this game. And so... Um, they get a couple nice yardage here. They do roll out and they throw run. They throw the ball here. So they throw on one of these plays, but they call PI on evergreen here. It wasn't complete by the way, but they call PI on evergreen that goes for 15 and a first. They have about 42 seconds left after that. Wallace, he scrambles, gets a yard. I mean, he's tackled. So, you know, there you go. A couple plays in it's 39 green mountain would go ahead and spike it here with about 20 seconds left in this game. Then they will roll out left uh, and try to pass it, but it is low and it's incomplete. And so that brings up fourth and nine here. 
So there you go. There, uh, this my bad. I think the spike happened uh, before it was third and nine. Because if they spiked it on third and nine, it would be fourth. So there you go. There, um, and so it's fourth and nine here. They go ahead and go for it. They throw it to number. 20 that is george sape and he goes ahead and comes down with it for a first down and they spike it with about 2.8 seconds left here um then after that one of the players he goes off sides here before they could call another play it's second and five here and so green mountain it looked like for a second with about 2.8 seconds left they were gonna go for it try to score a touchdown but at the last second they actually run out their field goal unit with about 15 seconds on the game clock they run out their field goal unit and so they kick it and the kick is about a yard or two short very close but comes up short and so we got overtime here it's tied 17-17 in case you haven't listened to what happens in overtime, it's basically college rules. They start on the 10. Each team gets a chance to score here, uh, gets a chance to match them. And basically the team with the highest score after the overtime period wins. It's really not that crazy. But here we go. Evergreen, they're on offense first. They call a dive to Zimmer. He's stuffed, making it second and 12 here. Actually one for loss. And then uh, Tommy Poholski rolls out right, finds an open receiver throws it it's on the money and it's dropped uh would have been a touchdown there and so that brings up fourth or sorry third and 12 here and so this time tommy poholski rolls out left he has an open receiver he throws a dart to him the receiver is falling backwards it's basically in his lap you know it's really hard to not catch it and he's falling back into the end zone so he wouldn't be falling out of bounds and the receiver's not able to hold on to it. So another drop. And this time, it's a this one's even worse, to be honest with you. Um, so there you go. That brings up 4th and 12. And so Evergreen with no choice. They decide to kick it. And it's blocked by Green Mountain. So at this point, Green Mountain really just needs to score. Whether it's a touchdown or a field goal to go ahead and win this one. And so, like I said, they take over on the 10. Um, here's what they run. Zach Wallace, he goes ahead and gets uh, some nice yardage here to go ahead and put them on the three-yard line. He goes for seven behind some excellent blocking from his line on the keeper. Evergreen uh, then goes ahead and calls a timeout. It's like second and three right here, I believe. Um, then uh, Green Mountain, they decide to run a counter to Russ Woodward's side. That's going nowhere. I don't know why they did that. And Russ Woodward goes ahead and tackles him for a loss. And that brings up sec or third and five here on the goal line. Um, so there you go. Then they run it with Zach Wallace. He maneuvers around. He almost scores, but they do call him down on the one. So there you go there. If he cut it outside, he would have had the touchdown. But, you know, it's fourth down. And so on fourth down, instead of kicking the field goal, which is interesting, they decide to run him with Wallace up the middle. And he is stuffed. So that goes nowhere. So nobody scores in overtime here. And so we got double overtime. And so here we go. Green Mountain starts with the ball here. Um, they miss a wide open number 22 here on the throw. Uh, Wallace having to scramble around to find number Anthony DeGrazia. And it's just 
that's not a great ball and so it's incomplete that brings up second down then there's encroachment that makes it second and five and on second and five it's number 20 that's George Sape uh Sape the junior here runs it up the middle gets the touchdown here on fantastic blocking they also get the PAT making it 24 to 17 here in double overtime that puts the pressure on evergreen evergreen they have to score to match they have to score and get the PAT to match at least and keep their hopes alive and so here we go Poholski on the run uh he goes ahead and throws it towards the sideline it's a great ball but it is dropped it's kind of a hard one to bring in here and so that brings up second and ten and then on second down Tommy Poholski scrambles around um pump fakes it then goes ahead and scrambles gets a nice seven yard gain making up third and three then on third down Tommy Poholski he rolls out scrambles left and he dives jumps extends for the touchdown and he gets it evergreen gets the touchdown and before they go uh for this extra point here they go ahead and call a timeout and they decide to go for two instead of hitting uh that pat kicking the pat that would just tire and put it into triple overtime and so here we go double overtime evergreen going for two here to win the game Tommy Poholski, he scrambles out right. He has a bunch of receivers out right, by the way. And he is going to go ahead and scramble for the pylon. He dives, but he is met by a couple of Green Mountain defenders. And he is brought down short, stopped, and Green Mountain goes ahead and wins in overtime, double overtime, 24-23, and in instant classic, getting a goal line stop. Coming back from being down 17-6, to going into halftime, to go ahead and grit it out and win a very tough game here against Evergreen. Um, look, I gotta shout out this Green Mountain offensive line. They battled. All night long, they gave clean pockets. They opened up running lanes. I mean, they ran for 183 rushing yards and three total touchdowns between all the guys that got carries here. Uh, Zach Wallace, he made a couple of throws here. You know, like I said, Green Mountain's not really a throwing team, but they made the throws they needed to to get back into this game. And they, they did a good job here. You know, they did a very good job here to win this game. Uh, Evergreen, on the other hand, I mean, they were winning 17-6. to like I said at halftime, I said, hey, remember this. They had a minute, six seconds left before the second quarter ended, and they elected to not put together a drive there. And so that obviously came back to uh, kill them there at the end because, you know, if they got a field goal or a touchdown, then they wouldn't have had to go into overtime most likely. And so there you go. Also, they had a couple of drops here, and... It was just a tough go for Evergreen. I mean, Tommy Poholski played his heart out. He did a good job. Uh, Russ Woodward, he did a good job. Gabe Zimmer, uh, he battled it out. 27 carries here. Uh, but he did a good job. But, you know, as a team, you got to win. You know, a lot of special teams mistakes for Evergreen as well. A couple drop punts and... You know, uh, they had a block there as well and whatnot. And so, just not the cleanest game. I mean, not the cleanest game for either team. Green Mountain also muffed up punt. But, you know, it's good that they played this game in the regular season. Green Mountain, by the way, still undefeated at 6-0. Basically a lock in the playoffs. And they will probably play Littleton to go ahead and win league.
But they're basically guaranteed a top six spot or top eight spot here in the playoffs. Evergreen, they're four and two. They should still make the playoffs. Um, we'll see where they are ranked and whatnot. I mean, they have Littleton, Skyview, Wheat Ridge, and Conifer to end the season. They should beat all of them. But like I said, we'll see where they're ranked here. And so it was good. Both teams played this matchup here. I mean, it's a league game. But it's good they both played it here, you know, against a tough opponent. Going into the playoffs, they're going to have to play, you know, better games. They're going to be more, they're going to have to be more put together on special teams. You can't drop footballs in big time situations here. And that goes for either team. And so, you know, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. This might be a matchup that we'll see. Uh, sometime in the playoffs so just keep an eye out for that but there you go green mountain like i said stays undefeated 6-0 winning in double overtime 24 to 23 over evergreen as evergreen drops to four and two all right let's keep it going though we have some great matchups from friday october 7th to talk about let's go ahead and start in 5a work our way down here to 1a but here in 5a we got ralston valley versus columbine two top five teams here in a showdown columbine uh being basically the consensus number two team in the state here in 5a ralston valley having some quality wins here but also losing some close ones as well and here's how it went down here a long throw by logan madden to jackson hansen and then Ralston Valley safety would put them up 9-6 to six over Columbine going into the fourth quarter. Columbine then gets a nice six-minute drive here in the fourth, ending with a Markane Taylor touchdown to put them up 13-19 with roughly four minutes left here in the fourth. And then Ralston Valley, they're just able to put together a very nice uh, drive here to end the game. Uh, a Diano Bonalo rushing touchdown. Uh, excuse me if I'm saying that name wrong. I, I don't know if uh, that is correct or not, but we're just going to go with that. But a nice uh, rushing touchdown from him would go ahead and cap off a very good Ralston Valley drive. And that would basically be the game uh, as they would score with under a minute left there. And so Ralston Valley upsets Columbine 16-13. to Now, at this point, both teams are basically guaranteed a top 10, top 12 seed here in the playoffs. They've played some very difficult opponents here. Columbine, this is their first loss here to a good Ralston Valley team who likes to play the upset, uh, as uh, I think a lot of listeners know here. And so that was a very good game here potentially a game we might see in the playoffs so just keep an eye out but like i said ralston valley gets upset 16 to 13 that should shake up our power rankings just a little bit as well now still in 5a we got cherokee trail versus eagle crest eagle crest wins 30 to 0 moves to 6 and 1 and basically punches their ticket into the playoffs uh, now they get Cherry, Cherry Creek this next week, Smoky Hill, and Arapaho to end the season. Those games will probably decide where they rank in the playoffs, but Eagle Crest for sure is in the dance. Speaking in the dance, it doesn't get more in the dance than Cherry Creek here. And they play Smoky Hill here. And Cherry Creek wins in a dominating fashion, 43-0. to Moving to 6-1 on the season, their only one loss here was against an out-of-state team in a powerhouse from Ohio, so there you go. Uh, but some interesting things to keep in mind here. First off, Ishmael Sisi 
dominating in one half of play. Five receptions, 116 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. Jordan Heron uh, went for 100 rushing yards. No Carlson Bubba Tan. But the bigger story here is Brady Vodica, the freshman quarterback, got the majority of the snaps here, and he looked excellent. He won 12 of 15 for 183 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, also had four carries for 39 rushing yards and a rushing touchdowns. No turnovers. It looks like the Brady Vodica era is here. But we will see what happens next game against a fast Eagle Crest defense. Now, I did say it looks like the Vodka era is here, but it's because he just had the best performance out of any Cherry Creek quarterback this season. You know, no other quarterback, whether it was Brian Rudden, um, Aurelio Markiel, Ben Starr, whoever has had a better game than Brady Vodka here. And it's not like Smokey Hill isn't a solid team either. And so, like I said, we'll see what happens moving forward. But if he does continue to take snaps and is the starter, then, you know, you can mark this as the beginning of the Brady Vodka era. The Phenom freshman quarterback getting the start here for Cherry Creek and making the most of it. So there you go there. Uh, Cherry Creek in a good spot. Number one team in the state. Smoky Hill. Uh, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. We'll see. They play in a tough league. That is the Centennial League. Moving on, though, we have Arvada West versus Lakewood. Arvada West wins 47-16, snapping a three-game win streak and momentarily keeping their playoff hopes alive. Now, they will have to play Columbine, Pomona, and Ralston Valley to end the season. Not easy games at all. And so at this point, they have to win two of these last three games to even have a chance at making the playoffs. That would put them at 5-5 five and five if they win two of these last three games. If they don't, then, you know, they're on the outside. They have a losing record. They'll be on the bubble. So we'll see what happens for Arvada West here. Then we got Rock Canyon versus Mountain Vista, another league game here. Uh, both of these teams playing well here. Rock Canyon at this point undefeated, I believe. Mountain Vista, they do have a couple losses, but not bad. Uh, they are coming off that loss last week to Thunder Ridge where they blew a 21-point lead here. And so here's how it went down. Austin Majeski, uh, he goes ahead and completes... The Hail Mary pass to senior wide receiver Michael Milousnik, I want to say, who catches the game-winning touchdown as Mountain Vista shocks Rock Canyon 40-36 to here. Uh, Austin Madriski, we've seen him play since his freshman year. We've known what he's been about in this game. He went ballistic, 27-42, to 460 passing yards, six passing touchdowns. Also did a good job spreading the ball here. Ja'Kai Mack and Sean Conway both had over 100 receiving yards and a touchdown, receiving touchdown at least each. Kyler Crook and Jack Blaze also caught a touchdown as well as he spread the ball here and played an excellent game. For Rock Canyon, they didn't play bad either. It did come down to a Hail Mary. They couldn't defend it. I mean, and it just happened. Games like these happen. But they did a solid job. Aiden Duda at running back, 139 rushing yards, a touchdown. Luca Winogle, 9 rushes, 91 yards, 2 rushing touchdowns. Kicker also, or uh, by the way, the kicker.
kicker for Rock Canyon, excuse me. He went three of four and did, it appears, looks like to miss two PATs in a four-point game. That matters. And so that's tough for them. But like I said, uh, Mountain Vista goes ahead and beats Rock Canyon 40 to 36 here. Uh, their quarterback, Austin Majeski, definitely in playmaker of the week talks here at least for 5a so there you go there speaking of playmaker of the week we got fountain Fort carson versus the legend uh legend having a playmaker of the week candidate of their own as they beat fountain Fort carson uh 43 to 24 here now just wanted to say this a pick six in the second quarter would give them a two score lead here for legend and they would not look back after that but the playmaker of the week candidate that legend has is sophomore running back Jaden lawrence only seven carries but went for 137 rushing yards three rushing touchdowns also had four receptions 60 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown as the legend Goes ahead and continues to shock some people, including myself, by beating Fountain Fort Carson 43-24. At this point, it looks like Legend should make the playoffs. I mean, they're 5-2. We'll see their next three games don't get any easier. I mean, in fact, they get tougher. They play Pine Creek away. Uh, then they play Regis Jesuit away. Then they play Douglas County at home uh we'll see there if they drop all three games they'll be five and five but they should have a tough enough schedule to make the playoffs here we'll see uh moving on though prairie view versus legacy legacy continues their run winning 40 to 7 sophomore running back tyler anderson ran for only 85 rushing yards but had four rushing touchdowns in this winning effort Legacy moves to 5-2, and two, basically guaranteeing themselves a spot in the playoffs. They get Mullen, Horizon, and Bryden to end the season here. The only way they don't make the playoffs is if they lose all of these games. Um, and even then, I, I don't know, you know, but they should make the playoffs. They're guaranteed at least a spot by now. Legacy, that is. Moving on and moving up north, though, we got Rocky Mountain versus Fort Collins, and Rocky Mountain wins 21-0. Uh, Rocky moves to four and three. They have Fossil Ridge, Boulder, and Fairview to end the season. They will most likely need to win at least two of those last three games to have a good chance on making the playoffs. Um, so we'll see there. And then Fort Collins' uh, season, on the other hand, is most likely over past the regular season. Uh, so there you go there. Now we got Highlands Ranch versus Valor Christian. Valor continuing the run. Finding a rhythm now. They're a little bit dangerous. They beat Highlands Ranch. A solid squad. 45-17. to Quarterback Asher Weiner looking like the best quarterback in his class. Went 10 of 12 for 140 passing yards. Two passing touchdowns. Also had 11 carries for 113 rushing yards. And two rushing touchdowns. Four touchdowns for the young three-star quarterback here for Valor. Then you have Gabe Sawchuk. 12 carries, 89 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. Also, by the way, shout out to our guy, Alex Jordan. Getting his first receiving touchdown at tight end of the season. He's a dangerous guy to look out for as well. As Valor Christian continues to roll here. Looking more and more stronger um that's not a word i don't think they're looking stronger as the season goes on but now five and two highlands ranch now two and five it looks like they might not be able to make the playoffs here uh but for valor here they pull a tough last couple of teams here in league they're gonna have to probably win 
out to win the league most likely, or at least win the majority here. They get Rock Canyon on Saturday. Uh, that'll be away, I believe, at Echo Park, so that'll be a good one. Uh, Rock Canyon, they are coming off a loss, but they only have one loss on the season, and that was that Mountain Vista game where they got the Hail Mary, so there you go. Then after that, Valor Christian plays Thunder Ridge away uh, up at Shea Stadium, uh, or sorry, Halftime Help Stadium now is what it's called, I guess. I will be at that game, so there you go there. That would be potentially for League as Thunder Ridge is undefeated right now. And then to end the season, Valor plays Mountain Vista. That will also be at Halftime Help Stadium. You know, we'll see what happens there. Mountain Vista looking like a strong team here. So we'll see a tough last couple games to end the season, regular season for Valor. Anyways, moving on to 4A here. We have a top matchup between number one Palmer Ridge and top 10 team here in Pueblo West. Palmer Ridge traveling down to Pueblo. Never an easy thing here. And Palmer Ridge actually goes ahead and wins 21-0 after an early Orlando Aranda touchdown to put the to put them up 7-0. Uh, Josh Gerlach, uh, the second pick six, uh, at the nine-minute mark in the fourth quarter would basically allow Palmer Ridge to really pull away here. Uh, by the way, that was his second interception of the day. Palmer Ridge would then get another rushing touchdown at the end of the game as they shut down this Pueblo West offense playing very very well against them by the way no gator robinson in this game either but palmer ridge continues to dominate and continues to be number one both of these teams should make the playoffs at this point palmer ridge is guaranteed a top 12 spot here in the playoffs um their next biggest threat is against vista ridge at the end of the season i will potentially make it out to this game uh we will see here but Pueblo West, uh, I don't know. They are for sure making the playoffs, but we'll see about top 12. They'll need to continue to win games here. So there you go. Moving on, though, we got a battle for Longmont. Longmont versus Silver Creek here. Longmont goes ahead and wins 40-25 off of a great performance from Cole Gaddis, a Playmaker of the Week candidate, who on 30 carries went for 211 rushing yards, Five rushing touchdowns, also had four tackles and an interception in this big-time game. Moving on, though, we have Cheyenne Mountain versus Rampart. Uh, Rampart blowing out Cheyenne Mountain, 55-14. to Did not see that one coming. Uh, Cheyenne Mountain ran for 294 rushing yards and five touchdowns here. Excuse me, Rampart ran for 294 yards and five touchdowns, having multiple people score, but most importantly, it was uh, Hayden Bonneau, uh and Braden Sears who each had two touchdowns, contributing to this absolute thrashing of Cheyenne Mountain here. Uh, Cheyenne Mountain now three and four. Playoff hopes looking a little iffy. They get Vista Ridge and Palmer Ridge oof, in these next two games. Uh, so those will all be tough games. And then Coronado to end the season here. And so it's not looking great. Rampart, though, they're at 3-4. and four. We'll see if they could uh, potentially sneak into the playoffs here as a lower seed. So there you go. Now, moving on, though, we have Widefield versus Hinkley. 
Widefield takes care of them, 48 to zero here. Uh, Widefield moving to six and one, having a very good season. They will have a spot in the playoffs here, or at least they should, and they are a front runner for this league to win their league. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Monarch versus Erie. Erie, they need to win pretty much every single game from here on out to have a chance of making the playoffs. And so they go ahead and win this one, winning 63 to 14, improving to three and four. Now. Erie, they got Silver Creek, Longmont, and Greeley West. They are in a must-win mode to secure a spot in the playoffs here. Um, I really feel like they can't lose to any of these teams if they want to make the playoffs. If they lose one, then that means at best it could go 500. And a lot of those wins would not be against the strongest opponents. And so we'll see here what happens for Erie. Alright, then we got Vista Ridge versus Air Academy. Vista Ridge wins in a dominating fashion, 64-20. They advance to 5-2 on the season. Braden Dorman uh, continuing his historic run. He is on fire, the best quarterback in the state for a reason. He won 21 of 27, only missed 6 passes. Um, but through six passing touchdowns and threw for 527 passing yards. Insane. He had the same amount of passing touchdowns as incompletions in this game. Uh, Keyshawn Dooley having an excellent season. Had an excellent game in this one. 12 receptions, 273 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns here. Um, B.B. Hills, I believe, four receptions, 156 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns here. Gavin Jenkins, four receptions, 83 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns as this senior group continues to run it here. Uh, Dorman, in seven games, has now surpassed pretty much every season stat he has ever recorded in the last three seasons now. Except for passing yards at this point, he is now roughly... 300 yards away from getting a personal best in a season uh, personal best in passing yards in a season and that includes playoffs and so he has three more games left in the regular season plus at least one playoff game to continue this historical season as he continues to rewrite the record books in vista ridge football history a lot of the records he is beating are his own so or at least I would assume so. So there you go there. As they continue to be dangerous. They have a big time matchup against Palmer Ridge at the end of the season uh, there. Which uh, we'll see what happens. But they are basically guaranteed a spot here in the playoffs. Now beating Palmer Ridge at the end would guarantee them a top 12 seed. So there you go. Moving on though we have Stanley Lake versus Golden. Golden wins 21 to 0. Uh, they get a key win here extending their win streak to 2 and getting to 4 and 3 on the season. Now Golden they have Dakota Ridge next, Adam City and Grand Junction to end the uh, to end the season. They really should win these last two games. And if they do, they should be a lock to make the playoffs with six wins. They really just need to win two of their last three games to make it in. Beating Dakota Ridge will be key as they're also vying for a playoff spot. And so you potentially take their spot there if you beat him. But we will see. Uh, Stanley Lake, though, they only dropped to 5-2. and two. A narrow one-point loss to Skyline at the beginning of the season is their uh, only other loss here. Now, Stanley Lake, they get Heritage, Bear Creek, and Dakota Ridge, who are all vying for a playoff spot uh, here in similar positions. So if they want a good chance, a good chance 
at making the playoffs. They need to win at least one of their last three games here. That would go ahead and put them at six wins. They would be six and four. And at this point, it's really it's really either you or them in a lot of these matchups. So if they want to make the playoffs, they gotta win one of these games. I think if they're at 500, they could potentially still make the playoffs at five and five, but they will be on the bubble and they will be in a tougher spot here. Uh, so we will see about that here but winning another game here out of these last three would definitely guarantee them a spot in the playoffs at least i would think so moving on though we have denver south versus gateway gateway forfeited so denver south basically has a bye week uh then we got montrose versus falcon montrose wins 49 to 6 they move to 5 and 2 now on a five game winning streak after losing to palmer ridge and fruita monument to start the season uh, montrose now gets coronado mesa ridge and pueblo west to end the season even if they lose three straight games which they, they really shouldn't um they should be a lock for the playoffs at this point it's just a matter of seeding right here uh speaking of seeding we got mesa ridge versus coronado in the same league mesa wins 49 to 3 moving to five and two uh mesa ridge they get rampart montrose and falcon to end the season winning one more game for mesa would basically lock themselves a spot in the playoffs so we will see it has to be one win against rampart montrose or falcon uh moving on here we got ponderosa versus vista peak they go ahead and blow them out 35 to 6 move to 5 and 2 zach striker 174 passing yards two touchdowns to one interception he also had 104 rushing yards as they basically locked themselves into the playoffs with the top uh 12 seed here then we got Skyline versus Windsor. Windsor wins 42 to 27, improving to four and three on the season, dropping Skyline to four and three as well. Jaden Thomas, he had 133 rushing yards and a touchdown. Mitchell Madrill had 64 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. Now, um, this is where things get interesting to end the season. Windsor has Greeley West, Loveland, and Grand Junction Central. Uh, Skyline basically has the same uh, opponents here. They get Loveland, Grand Junction Central, and Greeley Central, so not Greeley West. For both of these teams, winning two of the last three games will probably guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. We'll see what happens here uh they are both kind of on the bubble it feels like going 500 on the regular season is more risky for windsor though than skyline since skyline has more quality wins slash losses so just keep that in mind here as we continue to see who uh, makes the playoffs and lock themselves in here uh, moving down to 3A though, we got Nawat versus Frederick. Frederick wins dominating here, 49-0. They move to 4-2, keeping their playoff hopes alive uh, and top seed hopes alive as they drop Nawat to 3-3. Three three. Uh, now Frederick, they got Riverdale Ridge, Denver North, Mead, and George Washington to end the season. Winning at least two of these four should guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. Anything less would definitely be concerning so we'll see about that um littleton versus skyview they go ahead and take care of business 48 to 26 bryson malanga continues a historical season for littleton here as he goes 
Uh, well, on 28 carries, he goes for 232 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, continuing to etch his name in the record books uh, for Littleton football here. Moving on, though, we got Denver North versus Riverdale Ridge, and Riverdale Ridge wins 41 to seven. They move to three and three, while Denver North is now four and two. This league is a close one, but realistically, they may only take the top three teams from this league. Just looking at the record here uh, for the playoffs, so we will see this league. By the way, I believe includes me, George Washington, uh, all those guys. So just keep that in mind. We'll see how the end shakes out here. Moving on, though, we got Northridge versus Mountain View, and uh, Northridge escapes. An upset. They don't get upset, and they win nine to seven here. Isaac Ness, 120 rushing yards, one touchdown. Cooper Rose threw three interceptions in this thing, but this Northridge defense got two interceptions and a fumble recovery to go ahead and make up for it. Uh, a field goal with a minute left in the fourth quarter would save them uh, to make it nine points here. And so Northridge escapes a scare here, and it doesn't get easier. They play Roosevelt on Thursday, which myself and Cody Stauffer will be at here. And that's game where they cannot afford one turnover, nonetheless three. So we'll see what goes down for them. Moving on though, Pueblo East versus Sand Creek. This is the first game since the Cannon game for Pueblo East, I believe. They go ahead and win 58-14. They move to 5-1 at this point and are basically a lock for the playoffs. They do have Canyon City, Mitchell, Discovery Canyon, and Pueblo County to end the season. Even if they lost all of them, which I don't, I have a hard time believing they would, then you know we'll see what happens but they should be a lock for the playoffs moving on though we have another 3a showdown we have resurrection christian versus roosevelt and roosevelt wins a close one 35 to 20 here uh here's basically how it went down two xavier ramirez rushing touchdowns will basically put this one away as rosa or sorry as resurrection christian was only one point behind them going into the fourth quarter uh since they were basically going toe to toe with them but like i said two xavier ramirez touchdowns here in the fourth quarter would win roosevelt this game uh in the game here ramirez he had 108 rushing yards and those two rushing touchdowns ryan to say yeah it's uh or set i want to say he had 17 carries 135 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown bronco hartson he played relatively well 11 of 16 for 223 passing yards two touchdowns only one pick um but the backfield turned up for roosevelt here as now they pull a top three team in northridge this next week like i said we will be at this game uh resurrection christian on the other hand this was their first loss on the season they're now five and one but they hung with this roosevelt team more than any other team has so far this season so there you go there another rematch could mean anything could potentially happen that's a potential playoff matchup now res they get severance mountain view northridge and thompson valley to end the season but regardless of how those games should go they are basically a lock in the playoffs um shouldn't lose all of them though Moving on, though, we got Durango versus Summit. Uh, battle of two top 10 teams here in 3 and Durango, no mercy here. They go ahead and beat them up. 56-3 to here. Tyler Harms, 
perfect game here. He went nine for nine for 193 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He is a playmaker of the week candidate. But you also have Jake Baruch, who contributed 134 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Zachary Haber, uh, 97 rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Uh, AJ Folk, their tight end, he had two receptions for 114 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Go figure there. Just killing it. Uh, this Durango defense came to play. Six sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery as Durango shuts down Summit uh, to the highest degree here. They did allow a field goal, but that's just a field goal. Uh, but like I said, Durango drops the hammer on Summit, evening the records at 5-1 and one for both teams. Both teams should make the playoffs here, but Durango getting this win basically guarantees them a top seed here in the playoffs. So, a top eight seed here in the playoffs. Summit, though, I mean, they could potentially get a top eight seed in the playoffs, but we will see what happens. Moving on, though, we have Thompson Valley versus Severance. Thompson Valley actually wins this one. Uh, 29-13, Garrett Hendrickson had two interceptions. Two interceptions, excuse me, for Thompson Valley in this game. Severance, uh, unfortunately, they are now 2-4 and four with matchups against Resurrection Christian, Roosevelt Mountain View, and Northridge to end the season. Three of those teams are in the top 10. Most likely, their season is over after dropping a winnable game to Thompson Valley. To make the playoffs, they're going to have to win three of these last four games. Uh, and that's a pretty tall order considering how good some of these other teams are. Thompson Valley, on the other hand, they are 4-2 and two and they face the same set of opponents. Um, they have to be Mountain View if they want a chance at the playoffs. That's just how it is. But an upset win wouldn't hurt Thompson Valley's case either as they may make the playoffs. But they are kind of on the outside here. Uh, so we will see what happens moving forward as those last games will be important. Uh, moving on though. George Washington versus Meade. Big league game here for both teams. George Washington wins this one, though. 24-17. A George Washington touchdown pass to go up 17-7 with five minutes left in the third will basically make Meade play catch up here. Uh, Meade would get a rushing touchdown to cap off a drive, making it 17-14 with a nine minutes left here um, in the fourth quarter. But a field goal go ahead and would actually tie it 17 to 17 uh, with about six minutes left in this game then George Washington will get a long drive and go ahead and score a passing touchdown here with under a minute left to win it here uh, George Washington moves to five and one in a prime spot to make the playoffs and have a top seed in the playoffs so Meade loses another close game here and drop to one and five they are most likely eliminated from the playoffs here uh, from playoff contention here even if Meade wins out they would have a losing record and if they make it in as the last seed it would be off of strength of schedule and so I kind of feel like that's a lot to ask so we'll see there uh, moving on though Pueblo South versus Sierra South gets their first win of the season winning 44 to 0 so that happened harrison versus lewis palmer harrison wins 19 to 13 winning a key straight fourth game going four and two now they get centennial Pueblo centennial uh Pueblo south 
Pueblo Central and Sierra to end the season. Winning three of those last four games should be enough to get Harrison in the playoffs or at least have them considered to make the playoffs. Anything less could be iffy considering their strength of schedule. And so we'll keep an eye on that though. But Harrison um, looking good and making a run here for the playoffs. Moving on though, we have Pueblo County versus Canyon City. County wins this one in a close one, 22-21. Then we got Lutheran versus Holy Family. Another matchup here. Lutheran takes care of business, 35-13. Ryan Kenny, Playmaker of the Week candidate. 26 carries, 174 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns in this one. So there you go. Now moving down a level to 2A, we got La Junta versus Woodland Park. Woodland Park gets a huge 14-6 overtime win over La Junta, improving to 5-1. and one. Uh, La Junta, with their quarterback done for the season, that is confirmed. Uh, they are now 3-3, three and three, and they are facing an upward climb with Lamar, Manitou Springs, and Florence. Like I said, La Junta, they don't have Luke Garner. He is done, and they do have to play Lamar, Manitou Springs, and Florence. Those aren't easy games. By the way, an Evan Barnes... Yeah, an Evan Barnesberger interception in overtime after... Woodland Park got the touchdown and the two-point conversion would win them that game. So there you go. Woodland Park looking strong here. Lahanta kind of in trouble. Uh, so we will see what happens. Moving on, though, we got Valley versus Platte Valley. Platte Valley actually wins 26-12, improving to 3-3 three three, uh, on the season. Now, Platte Valley, they got Bennett, Wellington, and Prospect Ridge Academy to end the season Winning the last three games of the season would pretty much guarantee them a spot in the playoffs or at least guarantee them a good chance at making the playoffs. So there you go there. Uh, then we got Berthet versus Faith Christian. Berthet wins a close one, 21-14. Berthet moves to 5-1. and one, Their only loss being to 3A Thompson Valley. And then uh, they got Eden, the Academy, and Steamboat Springs left to end the season all difficult opponents it's a league play this is one of the toughest leagues in colorado and so a win in one of these games will most likely give them a spot in the playoffs but they can't lose all of these games so we'll see what happens then we got devlin versus bennett devlin wins a shootout um i don't know if this is correct here but it has to be. Uh, Devlin wins 66 to 64. Austin Bushlock, uh, Austin Bushlock, excuse me, the quarterback had 57 pass attempts, threw for 495 yards, seven touchdowns to two interceptions here. Absolutely insane. Gabe Jackson had 214 receiving yards. Ethan Bushlock, he had 99 receiving yards. Brad Fuller had 107 receiving yards. Uh, Bennett, on the other hand, the Doing the complete opposite. They don't really throw the ball. They run it. But, you know, Connor Rayburn had 131 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. James Newton, 147 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Uh, Isaac Copeland, 117 rushing yards, one touchdown. Uh, they had three guys run over 100 yards. And then even these other guys, uh, Jamoni Law, 61 rushing yards. Carson Hawkins, 63 rushing yards. You know, what a shootout. What a game between these two teams. Um, an important game for these two teams as now they're both they're both four and two excuse me here um, Devlin they play Wellington Prospect Ridge Academy and Valley to end the season here Valley or sorry uh, Bennett they play Platte Valley Valley Wellington 
uh, to end the season here. A lot of important games. This is a close league here. You know, winning out will guarantee them a spot in the playoffs most likely here. But the race for the league title here will be very key to look out for as Platte Valley is only one game behind both Devlin and Bennett here. Devlin obviously having the uh, tiebreaker here in this one. So we'll see what happens. Things are getting interesting in that league. Moving on though, we have Delta versus Salida. Delta keeps their undefeated season alive and more with a 41-0 win. They are now 7-0. Now they got Bayfield, Montezuma, Cortez uh, left here, but Delta's a lock in the playoffs already and potentially already a lock as a top eight, maybe even top five uh, seeded team. Salida though, they are three and four. They need to win out to have the best chance of making the playoffs, which even then may not be enough. I uh, do want to say, though, uh, Delta's landing claim, 8 of 14 for 92 passing yards, 2 passing touchdowns. Also, 54 rushing yards for 3 rushing touchdowns. That is playmaker of the week candidate worthy, so he is there. Moving on, we got Basalt versus Rifle, a rivalry game here. Basalt goes ahead and wins this one, 22-7. They stay undefeated at 6-0. Uh, they got Moffitt County, Coleridge, and Aspen to end the season, but beating Moffitt will most likely win their league, so keep an eye on that. At this point, they're guaranteed, an, um, they're guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, though. So there you go. Rifle, on the other hand, they are 2-4, and, and they play Aspen, Grand Valley, and Coleridge to end the season. Now, they need to win big if they want a good chance on making the playoffs. It's not enough to just win. They're going to need to win big. And so, with their strength of schedule here, you know, if they win big, they could potentially sneak in the playoffs. Just looking at their season, I mean, they had a 3-point loss to Moffitt, 21-point loss to Delta, 7-point loss only to Glenwood Springs. Um, they also beat Montezuma Cortez, which is the only loss that Montezuma Cortez has on the season. And so Rifle could still make the playoffs, but they need to win big in these last couple games. Speaking of winning big here, Eden wins big 52-6, moves to 5-1. They got Bertha, Faith Christian, and the Academy to end the season. But that league championship really should be against the Academy. Uh, right now, they're basically guaranteed a top 8 seed in the playoffs. Winning that Academy game and all these other ones should be big. We will hopefully be able to make it to that game. So there you go. Uh, Walker Martin, 8 of 16, 192 passing yards, 4 touchdowns to 1 interception. But the playmaker of the week candidate from Eden is Morgan Trebet, 135 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Uh, he also had 1 62-yard receiving touchdown. There you go. Then on defense, 9 tackles and a sack here. Uh, Eden, their defense came to play here. 6 interceptions. From Trent Solberg, Joey Blaskowski, Zach Grable, and then three interceptions. Um, three of those six came from Austin Martinez here as they just dominated Fort Lupton here. Now, Fort Lupton, they are three and three. They're not out of the playoff discussion just yet. They pulled the Academy, Steamboat Springs, and Faith Christian to end the season. Going two and one in those games will give them a shot in the playoffs. Even then, it would still be a close call here. I think beating Steamboat Springs and the Academy would go a long way in guaranteeing that spot. So we will see what happens for Fort Lupton. They are definitely in a playoff race here with a couple other teams. So there you go. 
Uh, moving on, we have Alamosa versus Lamar. Alamosa wins 49-7, moving to 4-2 on the season. They're in a great position to make the playoffs. Lamar now 1-5. They are basically eliminated from playoff contention here. Uh, Alamosa's RJ Mays, 118 rushing yards, uh, rushing touchdown. Casey Jones, 163 uh, passing yards, two passing touchdowns. 82 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That is good enough for Playmaker of the Week candidacy. So there you go. Um, moving on, though, Florence versus Manitou Springs. Florence wins big 60-0, to moving to 5-1. They really should be a lock for the playoffs now, despite how the end of their season goes against Woodland Park, Alamosa, La Hunta. So there you go. Um, those are mo more so games that their opponents need to win to make the playoffs than Florence needs to win. So, yeah, that's that. Speaking of needing to win, Manitou Springs, they're now 3-3, three and three, and they need to win following two blowout losses. They're in a dangerous spot now. Uh, they play Alamosa, La Hunta, and Lamar next. Winning out would for sure get them in the playoffs, I think. Um, anything less would kind of put them on the bubble. I mean, if they win the majority of their last three games then I think they have a good shot at making it. But like I said, they're on the bubble here. So we'll see what Manitou Springs does now. They're at 3-3, three and three, so this is a crossroads here. You know, you either make it or you don't. It's do or die, so we'll see what happens. But anyways, Playmaker of the Week candidate for Florence, Levi Paxton. He only threw for 48 yards, but he had a touchdown, one interception. Did run, though, for 207 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. That's good enough to be a Playmaker of the Week candidate. Now the Academy, they win big against Steamboat Springs. Both teams looking to make the playoffs here. Um, the Academy wins 68 to 27, moving to five and one. They got Fort Lupton, Berthet, and Eden to end the season. Most likely that Eden game should be their league championship, assuming they take care of business against Fort Lupton and Berthet. So there you go there. The Academy basically a lock for the playoffs already. It's just a matter of seeding. Uh, Steamboat Springs, though, they're 3-3. Three three. They're not quite out of the playoffs. They got Faith Christian, Fort Lupton, and Berthet to end the season. Beating Fort Lupton and Berthet specifically would most likely give them a playoff spot over those same teams who are all on the bubble with them. And so you got to beat those teams if you want to make the playoffs. That's what I think it's going to come down to. Uh, same with those teams beating Steamboat Springs. they got to beat them if they want to make the playoffs. So we'll see. Do want to shout out these performances by the Academy, though. Jay Donahue, he ran for 172 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. But Isaiah Elliott, he's our Playmaker of the Week candidate. He won 19 of 22 for 289 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, five rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns as they get a big dub here. Speaking of big dubs, Moffat County gets one against Coleridge 48-6. They move to 5-1 with Basalt, Aspen, and Grand Valley to end the season. That Basalt game will most likely be for league, so there you go there. By the way, Evan Atkin in this game, 216 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns on only 12 carries. Very impressive. Um, but moving on, Wellington versus Prospect Ridge Academy. Wellington wins 44-8. Um, moving to four and two on the season. Now they got matchups against Devlin, Platte Valley, and Bennett end the season. I mean, like I said, a lot of teams on the bubble here. They're gonna have to beat at least the majority of these uh, matchups, two of the three, 
to make the playoffs and they are a first year program so we will see what happens uh, moving on though Montezuma Cortez versus Bayfield Montezuma Cortez avoids the upset with a late rushing touchdown to win 24 to 16 they go to 6 and 1 on the season while Bayfield remains winless on the season here Montezuma Cortez gets Pagosa Springs and Delta to end the season with Delta potentially being the league championship there at this point they should have a spot in the playoffs but it's all about getting a better seed here and so beating Delta uh, would go a long way there now moving down to 1A here you have some good matchups Colorado Springs Christian versus Rye Rye defeats Colorado Springs Christian in a close one 31 to 29 as Rye is now 5 and 1 while Colorado Springs Christian drops to a dangerous 3 and 3 here Rye plays Peyton Baiting Lewis Academy and Rocky Ford's end the season with that Baiting Lewis Academy game potentially being for league I should be able to make that one and then uh, the game or um, sorry excuse me so yeah that Baiting Lewis Academy one should be for league and should help secure a spot in the playoffs so there you go uh, Colorado Springs Christian for a chance at the playoffs they have to beat Banning Lewis Academy this next week to make the playoffs here to have a chance at making the playoffs so they basically have to win out so there you go there we'll see what happens as uh, drama is brewing in that league moving on though Wiggins versus Holyoke Wiggins defeats Holyoke 42 to 8 Moving to 4-2, dropping Holyoke to 2-4. Julio Flores, Playmaker of the Week candidate here, ran for 346 rushing yards and 5 rushing touchdowns as he was the Wiggins offense here. Moving on, we got Yuma versus Burlington. Yuma wins 32-21 behind Nash Richardson's 102 rushing yards and 2 rushing touchdowns. They stay undefeated at 6-0, and they're, ba they're basically guaranteed a playoff spot at this point. Uh, speaking of playoff teams, Gunnison, they beat Cedar Edge 36-0. Uh, uh, Cedar Edge did not have Luke Maxey, so keep that in mind. But regardless, Gunnison moves to 5-2. They play Meeker North Fork to end the season but regardless they really should have a spot in the playoffs speaking of meeker here they play buena vista at home here and buena vista gets a much needed quality win 41 to 29 putting both teams at four and two right now a uh, hayden camp playmaker of the week candidate 7 of 13 for 169 passing yards three passing touchdowns 30 rushing yards Caleb camp he had four receptions 96 receiving yards two receiving touchdowns uh, Jacob Phelps he had a passing touchdown of 54 yards which was crazy and then had 49 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown also had a pick on defense um, here's how it went down here Hayden camp he had two passing touchdowns to tie at 14-14 after they were down 14 to 0 here in the second quarter and so they'd be tied going into halftime after that meeker would score a touchdown taking the lead but hayden camp comes up big again gets another passing touchdown to tie it at 2020 here in the third quarter here hayden camp really keeping them in this game here but buena vista would go ahead and take the lead following that jacob phelps uh passing touchdown here and they wouldn't look back as uh, trey cardwell will get another rushing touchdown Phelps would get another rushing touchdown to seal this game as Buena Vista wins a good one, 
41 to 29, getting their mojo back. They're at four and two. They're looking pretty good here. Hayden Camp looked pretty good here. So keep that in mind here. Meeker, you're not in panic mode. I mean, you lost a close one here. They're going to have to finish next time, though. Uh, moving on, though, Flatirons, they beat Manuel 36 to 20. They moved to four and two. Now, Flatirons, they have Sheridan, Highland, and Esses Park to end the season. If they want to guarantee their chances to make the playoffs or at least have a good chance of making it, they have to win their league and win out here. Uh, Manuel, they're in a similar position. Uh, they have to win out, but they're going to also need teams in front of them to lose if they want to make the playoffs. Moving on, though, Monta Vista versus Trinidad. Monta Vista beats them 68 two six and that will wrap up the friday night games here coming up next we have uh cody he went to the bell game between Pueblo central and centennial a historical game oldest rivalry in colorado and on this side of the country so he'll talk about that and then we have gideon as well i went to him i went with him uh to this game between greeley central and greeley west they're gonna talk about those games before we talk about saturday Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am going to be recapping the battle for the bell between Pueblo Centennial and Pueblo Central, one of the most historic rivalries in the entire country and the oldest one west of the Mississippi. So to get things started here, first off, huge shout out to Dutch Clark Stadium and just the hospitality in the community of Pueblo. Very very fun atmosphere to have attended lots of very pleasant fans in the stands and overall just a great time that i felt welcomed and enjoyed the game but let's go ahead and jump into the recap here this rivalry for those who don't know um we learned about this from a fan view documentary that i highly recommend going and checking out between two rivers and this rivalry has been around since 1892. Now, this isn't the, you know, they haven't played every single year due to varying circumstances throughout the long period of time that this rivalry has lasted. However, it's still very interesting and, you know, it's still very historic. And so they play for, for a bell and it either rings blue or red, depending on who wins. And so... To start this game, Pueblo Central, they elected to receive, actually. And there is definitely there are definitely some jitters here for Pueblo Central at the start. There is a false start on the very first play after they took the kick to the 49-yard line. And then a toss was bobbled where, you know, the back was just looking upfield first. But Central recovered the bobbled toss. But that set up second and 20. And then number 14 for Pueblo Centennial blew up the run. That being Blake Roberts. And right from the get-go, they got third and 23. Another false start here, setting up third and 28. They already wheel out a trick play on this opening drive, actually, as they do a halfback toss pass. And, you know, it wasn't even a bad throw. But Pueblo Centennial looked pretty ready for it. And number three for Pueblo Centennial did break up the pass. Who is also the quarterback for Centennial. But anyways, let's go ahead and jump back 
on track here. They punt the ball. Pueblo Centennial gets the ball on their own 30 with 10 minutes in the first. And on the very first play, number 55 for Central swallows up the run at the line of scrimmage. But then there's a jet sweep to number 18 for Pueblo Centennial here, who does get a first down and some. So on the, on the next play, uh, there's a little bit of a fumble, but there's a recovery. And then there's a rollout and number three finds number 11. It looks like that is going to be Jaden Hudren on the reception from Trinity Fesu Luai, I want to say is how you say it. And, you know, this Centennial team is moving the ball fairly well. That goes for about eight, and they run a QB sneak for a first. There's a handoff to number 87, who's going to be Tayton Montoya, and he gets all the way to the opposing 27-yard line. Centennial takes a timeout here. And then a screen is overthrown. They do a quarterback keeper for three. And on third and seven, the lead blocker doesn't get ahead of the runner. And the run goes nowhere. And so on fourth and seven, Pueblo Centennial tries a field goal attempt. And that is no good. So Central gets the ball. And with just under five minutes left, they just go back-to-back -back gut runs. They're keeping it simple. And... On third and, you know, they just have short runs over and over again. They all get swallowed up before on fourth and eight. They do a fake punt direct snap to Amari Brown, who gets all the way to the other 32-yard line. So after having, you know, negative scrimmage yards to this point in the game on this second drive, Amari Brown gets this direct snap and is just running wild in the open field until he gets to the other side of midfield. But I think after that, you could tell that the jitters are gone, that the focus is there, and that this game is ready to be taken seriously uh, for Central, or that they're dialed in, I should say. And so, on the other side of the field, number 87 for Centennial makes a great tackle in open space on Amari Brown, and then there's another gut run, gut run setting up third and eight, and then there's a handoff to number 22, for Pueblo Central, that is going to be none other than Michael Montoya, who was pretty reliably picking up like five yards a carry on this night. And he does so here, setting up fourth and two, and then they do another gut run with him for the first down. And on the next play, the quarterback keeps here for Central, but gets dogpiled by the Bulldogs. And that would conclude the end of the first. And so Pueblo Central, they have the ball on the 19-yard line going in. There's a false start, and that pushes them back to the 24. But then Amari Brown gets a handoff left. He has a nice jump cut into a massive lane that's just so open. Great job to this central offensive line on this one in the downfield blocking. And Amari Brown does score. He wins the race and also carries a defender for like five yards into the end zone. And on the conversion, they go for two and get it. And they are up eight to nothing with 1150 in the first half. Central, they try to onside it, but Centennial recovers on the 49 yard line. Number 22 for the defense fills in at the line of scrimmage. And that is going to go nowhere. And then I'm not exactly sure what happens here, 
but Pueblo Centennial's quarterback number three gets hurt and number 11 has to jump in at quarterback. And honestly, I think that this is this is where the game essentially ends. There's just not a passing game readily available for Centennial after this and they become one dimensional and Central is focused on stopping the run. So Centennial eventually has to punt on this drive. Central, they get the ball on the 21 yard line and they are just running crazy over this Bulldog defense. They get a run for eight, another run for first. They get 22, uh, number 22, once again, Michael Montoya runs for eight. Then they run another gut run for first down. Amari Brown runs for 12, another gut run from Montoya. Then Amari gets a first down down the right side on a toss. Eventually they end up on third and three and they do a rollout for seven and setting up first and goal before number 22, Michael Montoya, pounds it in from like the one yard line and then they do a jet sweep to number eight here who's the junior wide receiver Josiah Barella and that puts Central up 16 to nothing. They try an onside kick once again and Centennial has the ball at the 47 and they run back to back one route passes and they both fail before you know finally getting some yards on a run on third down and on fourth and two central takes a timeout and centennial calls a quarterback keeper that gets blown up but number 55 gets called for a face mask and the bulldogs get bailed out here for a first down before doing back-to-back -back runs setting up third and one they hand off to blake roberts number 14 who carries through the hole for a first down this is you know two first downs on this drive it's starting to feel a little bit like that first drive but this would not continue as eventually they face fourth and nine and Centennial lines up to kick basically a 50 yard field goal. It's nowhere close. It's caught by Pueblo Central and it's returned to like the 40 yard line, but then a horse collar, well, it's returned to the 29 and then a horse collar puts it at the 44. Really, really dumb idea trying to go for a 50 yard field goal in this game, but you know, the ball ends up on the 44 uh, with seven seconds. Two deep passes, that takes us to halftime, 16 to nothing. Centennial starts with the ball at half, as you recall, since Central did want to start with the ball. And, you know, they come out with something tricky. They run a reverse, and they should throw this pass, but the runner just doesn't have time to see it, and so he tucks and runs and picks up a few yards. However, if they were able to get this pass off, it probably could have been a score or at least a 20 to 30 yard gain. But they run a fake screen wheel. The wheel is covered, so they try and throw the screen and that gets batted and Centennial on a drive that probably should have had points ends up having to punt. Now Central, they start on the 46 yard line. They have a couple of runs and get a first down. This time number eight picking up this first down and they drive, get on the other side of the field here, and eventually end up in a fourth and 10 situation from around the 20-ish yard line here. And they run a reverse to Amari Brown, who loads up and is left-handed, by the way, which, which took me by surprise, but loads up and finds Caden Clay for probably the dagger. And it is the dagger. Caden Clay goes up for this pass and brings it in. And Central's up 22 to nothing with five minutes and 14 seconds left in the third. Now, Centennial starts the next drive on their own 32. 
They have a couple of runs on third and two. And Centennial, they get a first here, but a lineman commits one of the most blatant holes, holds I've maybe ever seen, and it comes back. So on third and five, they run the exact same thing the other way, and it doesn't work. Fourth and five, they call a QB sneak. And this is about the time that I stopped taking notes because, oh, on fourth and five, QB sneak, like that's just, that's the sign of defeat. That is an admission of defeat, I would even say. And so Central, they have the ball on the 38 going in. And with two minutes, 52 seconds left in the third quarter, they run all the way to the other side of the field before you know the fourth quarter starts in the fourth quarter central would score one more touchdown i would go down to the field and start recording you know the celebration the ringing of the bell the bell rings blue this year as pueblo central does go on to defeat pueblo centennial 30 to nothing amari brown was named the mvp of this game as he should be since he threw a touchdown as well as ran for two others and he was also making some plays on defense i might add but amari brown impressed heavily the pueblo central wildcats have a very solid offensive attack running the football and everything like that so like i said fantastic game for pueblo central and that would make four years in a row here that Central has beaten Pueblo Centennial. These seniors have known nothing but beating Pueblo Centennial since they got here. And unfortunately for Pueblo Centennial, they do not know how or they've never experienced how to beat Pueblo Central in this football game. Pueblo Central, I mean, these back-to-back -back years they have won 72 to nothing in the score margin so pueblo centennial some serious soul searching to do i think that losing your quarterback is where this completely goes wrong if i gotta be completely real um after he left and they could not pass the ball and the the run game just became the only focus for the central defense there wasn't too much that they could really do about that so feels bad man for centennial and the bulldogs who will just have to look forward to next year but uh even bigger celebration and kudos to pueblo central who just looked so confident and solid in this win uh, as they should be honestly and um yeah they'll they'll look to keep this rolling and you know the next matchup will <laughs> I mean, there will be another Battle of the Bell, and we'll see what it rings next year. But for now, Pueblo Central, they are 4-2 now following that win, and they get to play Sierra at home next week. That's a pretty winnable game. Then they have games against Lewis Palmer, Harrison, and Pueblo South. There's a pretty decent chance that I think Central could potentially run the table. I'm looking at that Harrison game a little bit, maybe a little bit concerned for Pueblo Central, but they looked really good in this game against Pueblo Centennial. And the only teams that they've lost to are playoff teams. You got Pueblo East that they lost to 39 to 33. That's one of our top 10 ranked teams. And then Heritage who they lost 47 to six, but that's a solid 4A program that they lost to. So Pueblo Central got those games out of them. Pueblo Centennial, with some huge question marks. Don't know the status of the quarterback's health. We obviously wish that he does have a nice recovery, but they now fall to two and four, the inverse of Central, before playing Harrison, Sierra, Pueblo South, and Lewis Palmer. They might be able to go two and two in those games, 
but that game was critical in hopefully building momentum heading into league and they just fall short. Thank you so much to the teams for hosting. Thanks so much for the community for being so pleasant. And uh, thank you Pueblo for having such a historic rivalry and FanView for putting us onto that rivalry. And yes, enjoy the uh, rest of the episode. Hello everyone. This is Gideon, and today I will be doing the recap for the Ravelry game between Greeley Central and Greeley West. Simon and I both popped out to District 6 Stadium in Greeley this past Friday. Central won this matchup for the first time in a very long time last year, so West was out for blood. For the purpose of simplicity, I'm going to call Greeley Central Central and Greeley West West during this recap. Thank you and on to the game. In the first quarter, Central was technically supposed to start the game on defense. However, the West receiver dropped the kickoff and kicker Lupe Guzman recovered it to give the Wildcats the ball. After an incompletion, Alfredo Gonzalez III ran for three. QB Genoa Trujillo threw an absolute dot to Isaiah Asensio who dropped it. This eventually led to a fourth and 10, where Guzman punted at 30 yards. Gonzalez had three straight great tackles, but generally bad exterior run defense negated that. Jaden Andres and Roger Ordonez forced a fumble, which was recovered by Eric Hernandez. On offense, Carlos Cardoza got a good run, but a bad snap led to a fumble, which was fortunately recovered by Gonzalez. A pass then went off a receiver's hands, and after a holding call, the Wildcats were on 4th and 20. The punt would not have been a first down. Ernie Tenorio got a tackle to help force a punt in the first set of downs after 4th and 1. After an unknown 5-yard penalty caused a 1st and 15, Gonzalez ran for 1, but then an interception was thrown under immense pressure. Central could not stop the running touchdown, but they potentially tipped the PAT to make it only 0-6, with 2.42 left in the first. The onside kick was recovered by Jose Tamodul, followed by a run by Cardoza. There was a false start, and then a fumble. Trujillo got a tackle, followed by a fumble forced by Tenorio, that was then recovered by Asensio. Trujillo ran to end the first quarter. Central started the second quarter, with Trujillo throwing to Guzman for a first down. Cardoza then ran for a first down of his own, after which Diego Strait faked a handoff for seven yards. The Wildcats went for it on fourth and two, and Cardoza fought through the defense for a first down. However, this was then negated by an unsportsmanlike conduct call. Trujillo ran, and then Gonzalez was tackled out after a five-yard gain. After a tackle for loss, Central called a timeout with 6.56 left in the half. Asensio then had a 25-yard catch-and-go, and Gonzalez had a 3-yard run to bring it to the 2-yard line. However, after a delay of game and an allowed sack in a terrible set of downs, on 4th down they failed to convert, and it was a turnover on the 2. They then took a timeout with 4 minutes, 20 seconds left in the half. After an offsides, Gonzalez got a tackle, then Will Baxley did the same followed by Daniel Santian catching an interception. A pass got tipped, but Gonzalez ran for a first down. After a penalty, Santian ran for four, and there was almost an interception going into the half, where they only trailed 0-6. to six. Opening the third quarter, 
Cardoza returned the kickoff for 25 yards through a lot of contact, but there was a penalty away from the play that brought it back. Trujillo threw to Santian for 7, lowered the defense offsides, and then Anzores caught for a first down. There was then a bad set of downs where there was an incompletion, a false start, a tackle for loss, and then a punt which went out at the 10. They then had a group tackle followed by a shared tackle by Herman Reyes Rocha and Hernandez. Santian got a tackle followed by Guzman, Adhir Morales Munoz and Hernandez, which forced a punt. Gonzalez had a carry for one followed by a pass to Guzman for the first down. Trujillo scrambled through contact to find Gonzalez for five, but holding call canceled that out. Gonzalez ran for three and then ran again to convert a fourth and two. Hernandez had some great blocking, which helped allow a run for Santian. Gonzalez ran for 25, which set up a first and goal on the eight to end the third. Opening the fourth quarter, after an incompletion, Gonzalez got it to the two-yard line after Trujillo was almost sacked. It was fourth and goal, and after a timeout with 10.55 left on the clock, Gonzalez was able to punch through the defense to get the touchdown, after which the two-point conversion attempt failed. This tied the game at six with 10.53 to go in the contest. Kaiden Farner pushed out the return, and Santian got the tackle, but then he got hurt on the play. Albi Fabella II also got a tackle, but then was injured as well. The Wildcats were lured off sides, but then Gonzalez and Anzrez shared a tackle to help with what the announcer called big stop time. Guzman had a tackle, but then some bad run defense made it closer. Ernie Tenorio got a tackle, but on the next play, a touchdown got called back due to an illegal shift. However, very close to the goal, Central was called for offsides. Brandon Hernandez Rosas helped slow down a run, which left Reyes Rocha able to clean it up with a tackle for loss. Reyes Rocha then got another clutch tackle, but on the next play, Hernandez Rosas was a hair's breadth away from sacking the QB when a scramble led to a touchdown. They then let in the two-point conversion to trail 6-14 with 2.21 left in the game, meaning that the two-minute drill was extremely literal in this case. Gonzalez managed to get 25 yards, but then on a throwout, Anzorez hyperextended his knee, meaning the main left side receiving target was out. Santian had a shake and bake run for six, and then Gonzalez ran for another 20. But then the worst happened. An interception was caught, and that ultimately ended the game for the Wildcats. The defensive playmaker of the game for Greeley Central was Herman Reyes Rocha. Reyes Rocha stepped up in the biggest moments to get the stops that would have won Central the game. He did everything in his power to ensure that nothing would happen in his vicinity. He got key late tackles for loss and played solid defense all throughout the game. We try to read and see what our tackles are doing, says Reyes Rocha. On that last stand, I know it didn't end good for us, but we collectively went out and gave it our all. It didn't end up how we wanted, but we did what we could. We studied number 22, David Lopez, and that was our game plan. We game planned for him, but it just didn't go our way. The offensive playmaker of the game for the Greeley Central Wildcats is Eric Hernandez. Hernandez was an absolute beast on the O-line for the Wildcats. The 6'1", 295-pound 
outside guard for Central was opening all the holes that he could for the run game. And at one point, I saw him block five different guys on one play. Hernandez is just one of those linemen that is extremely hard to keep in his spot. He is a really good obstacle. The playmaker of the game for Greeley Central in this contest was Alfredo Gonzalez III. Gonzalez is the reason that Central almost came back. He scored the sole tutty for Central in this game, along with getting multiple 20-plus yard carries in the fourth quarter. He played his heart out and managed to get the ball to the 25 with under a minute left. With one or two more chances, he may have gotten that ball in. Most of the time, I try to make sure that the team's on point and knows our assignments. On defense, I just try to do my part as best I can and see how it affects the team. As the crowd cheered for West in the background, if we were to get a dub tonight, Gonzalez paused for 10 seconds. It would have been good on our side, but we just had so many mistakes. If we didn't have so many mistakes, it would have ended differently. It's good to see a player that cares that much about their team, and Greeley Central has a good leader. Now, on to Greeley West. But before we talk about West, I will talk about a trend that annoys me a lot. Light color on light color jersey color schemes. This happened with Sterling earlier in the season as well. The jersey that West was wearing was admittedly cool, as it was white, blue, and gold. However, the coloring of dusty blue numbers on the white made it impossible to read. If it is difficult for me to read the numbers from 10 feet away when my attention is entirely devoted to covering this game and being accurate, how do you expect college coaches and scouts to feel when they're watching grainy footage and have to look at a bunch of players that day and don't have the time for unreadable jerseys? It'll be hard for them to read, and for the same reason as a resume, you want your jerseys to be easy to look at. Mini rants over, and now onto West's side of the matchup. West was supposed to start this game with possession, but the kickoff receiver dropped the ball, which put them on defense. However, once on defense, they played pretty solidly. Once on offense, David Lopez ran through a few guys, and then Jose Salas ran for 19. These are two names that you are going to be hearing a lot. Lopez ran for six, and then Jose Salas got a first down. Cole Knorr showed some great aggression while blocking for Jose Salas, who got 15 yards. However, on the next play, the Spartans lost a fumble. Nor almost got a sack, and West played some really solid D before using a timeout with 6.35 to go in the first. On offense, Jose Salas ran for short and helped make it a third and three. After another short run by Jose Salas, the Spartans had fourth and one and decided to go for it. The pass barely grazed the fingers of Eric Sardina, and they had a turnover on downs. Lopez got a tackle, followed by Jose Salas and Jermaine Araya sharing one of their own for loss. Jacob Flores, the new starting safety, then got an interception. Salas then ran for the tutty, but the PAT was no good, leading it to be only 6-0 with 2.42 to go in the quarter. Diego Guzman kicked onsides, but the Spartans failed to cover the ball. However, either Amaya or Jackson Leonetti caused and then recovered a fumble. Jose Salas ran for eight, 
but then West relinquished a fumble of their own. After group tackle, there was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and then there was another group tackle to end the first. Cortez Valerio Orbixen started off the second quarter with a tackle. There was a personal foul, and then Flores got a tackle for loss that really sounded like it hurt. After some extracurricular activity between some linemen, Clyde Pasillas and Amaya shared a tackle. To help force 4th and 11, Brian Moreno got a tackle and Nor got a sack. This forced a turnover on downs, and on offense there was a fumble that was barely recovered by Jose Salas, who then ran for 5. They then forced an offsides penalty, and Julian Salas ran for 4. Pasillas then ran for 2, but got hurt on the play. Jose Salas ran for a first down, and Julian Salas threw to Lopez to make it fourth and short. Jose Salas then ran for another first down. After a false start, Julian Salas ran, but then a good pass went incomplete. The following pass was then intercepted. Going into the half, they played alright defense, almost making an interception on the half-closing Hail Mary attempt, leading 6-0. Somehow, however, Spartans committed a personal foul going into the half, which set their kickoff back to the 30. They fell for an offside's lure, and they were allowing a few passes through. Jose Salas got a tackle, followed by Amaya getting within inches of a deflection. Moreno then got a tackle to force a punt, and after a tackle for loss, Jose Salas ran for 9, and then again for first down. He then ran once more for 8, which was brought back for excessive hugging. Jose Salas then added three more to his sheet, but then the Spartans were forced to punt. Jose Salas then got another tackle, followed by a tackle by Lopez. After a timeout with 25 seconds left in the third, Ashton Holmbo got a tackle for a loss to close up the third 6-0. Entering the fourth quarter, after an offsides, an almost sack, and a penalty, West led in a touchdown with 10.53 left in the game. They were able to stop the conversion, which made it tied at 6. After some trouble recovering the kickoff, Pasillas made it 20 yards. Following this, Jose Salas ran for 5 and then once more for 8. After tempting central offsides, Jose Salas then ran for 2, and then Lopez carried the rock for a first down. Lopez then had 2 more carries, and then Jose Salas ran for 15 yards through a few guys, and he had an intense stiff arm. He then carried the ball across seven more hash marks, and eventually led the Spartans to a third and one on the eight-yard line. Lopez ran it, and then Jose Salas ran for the first down. A touchdown was called back for an illegal shift, and then Jose Salas ran for short. Salas then ran for a tutty, and Lopez caught the two-point conversion from Julian Salas, with 2.21 left on the clock to bring the West lead to eight at 14-6. to six. Holmbo almost got a sack, and then pass interference made me concerned. Flores then made a huge play by catching an interception within the 10-yard line, and after a timeout with 119 left on the clock, Lopez carried the ball 6 yards, and Jose Salas carried the ball for a first down to close this game out. The defensive playmaker of the game for the Spartans was Jacob Flores. Flores had himself a pretty good night, and this was his first game starting at safety, and I'd say he was pretty darn effective. He had two interceptions and one really painful-looking tackle, and he came in clutch. The first interception set up the first touchdown with 
which gave West the lead early in the game. And the second interception ended up sealing it for Greeley West, with under a minute 30 left in the game. At six foot three, the junior was really hard to get a pass over, and his development over the next year is going to be key to the Spartans' defensive future. The offensive playmaker of the game for the Spartans is David Lopez. Lopez, as previously stated, was the main game plan focus for the Wildcats, and he proved them right on offense. Lopez was a machine, blasting holes through the D-line and getting a bunch of carries over the course of the game. He is really hard to stop at 6'1", 230, and he has good hands, evidenced by his catch in the end zone for the conversion over two defenders. I just gotta do me, says Lopez. I came in knowing that they're gonna be chopping up my knees and going for my legs, because that's what everybody's been doing, so I've just gotta do my thing. Somehow, Lopez is only a junior, so he is likely to vastly improve going into next season. Look out, Northern Colorado. David Lopez is coming. The playmaker of the game for the Spartans was Jose Salas. The senior running back is being a great influence for the West Spartans. He had two touchdowns and so many carries that my hand got tired writing his name in the recap. Salas is a good leader, and he credited all of his success on the night to the O-line. I have to thank my linemen first, says Salas. Without them, I couldn't have scored or gotten those yards. I could drive a truck through the holes that they made. It didn't matter that they were going for my ankles. My linemen came and picked me up every single play. I wouldn't be here without them. It cannot be understated the effects that Jose has on his brother Julian, who is starting for the first time on the varsity level during the season, and his leadership is going to be sorely missed by the Spartans heading into next season. In summary, this game was a down-to-the-wire nail-biter. Most of these guys grew up playing with and against each other in elementary and middle school, and they have left their mark on this storied rivalry. This could have gone either way, but West's defense ended up coming in clutch. That's not to say that Central's D was not clutch either, as they did make huge stops at the right time. They just got overpowered by the one-two punch of Lopez and Jose Salas. Moving forward, these teams have a tough go at it. Greeley West, now 2-5, will keep moving through the 4A League 2 and face the 4-3 Windsor Wizards at home. And to quote Herman Reyes Rocha, Greeley Central is headed up to Grand Junction Central for next week, so that's a long trip. The Wildcats will hope to improve their record from 1-6 against the 2-5 Warriors, which should be an interesting matchup. Best of luck to Greeley West and Greeley Central during the rest of your seasons, and now on to the next. Take it away, Simon. All right, thank you, Gideon. Thank you, Cody, for those great breakdowns there of what happened. Uh, two great rivalry games, like I said, super heated. They play hard against each other. That's just something to expect. But let's move on to Saturday, October 9th. We have a couple matchups here. Not too many, but we have a couple. Horizon versus Rangeview. Horizon gets the first dub of the season, 20-17 over Rangeview. Alex Birch made some pretty big plays here. Uh, He had a long 48 touchdown pass. He he had a short rushing touchdown, and all those contributed to helping win this game as Horizon gets on the board here. 
Moving on, we got Loveland versus Grand Junction Central. Loveland wins 41-0, taking care of business. They got Skyline, Windsor, and Longmont to end the season, to be honest. Uh, those are bigger games for those other teams than Loveland, who has basically guaranteed themselves a spot in the playoffs and probably a top 12 seed in the playoffs at that. Moving on, we got Thomas Jefferson versus Far Northeast. Far Northeast wins 38-0, moving to 4-3 and keeping their playoff hopes alive. We'll see if they could continue to win, which in general will just be key to them making the playoffs. Then we got Northfield versus Kennedy. Uh, kind of a shocking game here. Kennedy, with the upset win, takes down Northfield here. 32-27, Isaac Cisneros, 17-23, of 290 passing yards, 3 touchdowns. He also had a carry for a rushing touchdown. And just like that, he is definitely a playmaker of the week candidate. Also throw in his receiver, Juan Gallegos, the third, uh, five receptions, 173 receiving yards, and catching all three of those receiving touchdowns, doing his thing there. Kennedy at this point still... Has a chance of making the playoffs, but they do probably have to win out. They got Fort Morgan, Lincoln, Lutheran, and Holy Family here. So we'll see how that goes down. Northfield. Um, take it, I mean, they're only 4-2, and two, so they're still in a pretty good spot here. But losing their second straight game, uh, that's, that's kind of tough here. They do get Holy Family, Lutheran, Fort Morgan, and Lincoln as well to end the season. And so we'll see what goes down from there. Moving forward. On to some 2A games here, though. We got Elizabeth versus Kent Denver. Elizabeth wins 38 to 14, moving to 5 and 1 here in a pretty good spot. Uh, that TCA Elizabeth game will most likely decide the league at the end of the season. So there you go. Speaking of TCA, they go ahead and obliterate Denver West 51 to 0. They stay undefeated. No Ethan Aragundi in this game without their star running back, but a running back uh, by committee rushed for 414 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns with senior Caden Rusin getting 103 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns there leading the squad. Moving down to 1A football here, we have Strasburg versus Denver Christian. Strasburg shows off their offensive firepower and beats Denver Christian 56-21 as they move to a dominant 5-1 and are basically a lock for the playoffs and a top 6 or a, sorry top 8 seed in the playoffs. Speaking of top 8 seeds, we have Lyman versus Ray, two teams here in the top 3 here. Uh Lyman would actually just barely get away with a 13 to 8 win over Ray here. Um Casey Midgap, he did throw three interceptions. Kind of a tough go here. Obviously, if you didn't throw one of those picks, then maybe they would have been in a better spot. But Lyman's quarterback, Jordan Rockwell, also threw three interceptions, but he was six of nine for 113 yards and two touchdowns here in this one. Uh scoring the two that would allow Lyman to go ahead and beat Ray. Uh, speaking of those two touchdowns, Keon Bandy caught both of those for 55 receiving yards as well. Real quick, Gabe Schubarth, 22 carries, 78 yards, as he was mostly contained. But Traden Marks, three sacks in this game, turning up 
for Lyman here and doing his thing. Um, big part of the defense. And I uh, still got more guys to talk about here on defense. Keon Bandy doing his thing on defense as well. He had an interception and forced a fumble. And then Jordan Rockwell and uh, Arnold here, a senior, also had an interception. And so, uh, hey, close win here. But Ray played Lyman the closest out of any team here. And so they should be pretty happy about that. Moving forward, they should have the film they need to beat Lyman if they face off with them in the playoffs. But we will see. Um, playmaker, uh, or um, yeah, playmaker of the game here, I think we'll probably have to go to Keon Bandy, who once again had 21 rushing yards. He had 55 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Uh, on defense, he did his thing as well here. He had eight tackles, two tackles for loss, had an interception, and had a forced fumble in this one as Lyman escapes Ray in a close one. And then the last 1A game I want to talk about here is Centauri versus Del Norte. Centauri taking care of business as they should, 57-0. Centauri moves to 4-2. Um, they don't really play too many tough opponents here. Their next real test will be near the end of the season against Monte Vista. And so that'll be important for them, though. Uh, Centauri, though, Layden Curtis, 5 of 8 for 106 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, run game was very strong here. Stockabrand, the senior, he had 95 rushing yards. Um, you had Dylan Vasquez, he had a rushing touchdown, he also had 52 rushing yards. Chaz Holman, 27 rushing yards and a touchdown. Layden Curtis, the quarterback, he also had a rushing touchdown. Uh, Chaz Holman, also 78 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. As Centauri is still dangerous, but finding ways to continue to win. Now, the last game I want to talk about is actually Pine Creek versus Regis Jesuit, a matchup between two top 10 teams here in 5A. I was actually able to attend this game. And so here we go. It was in Colorado Springs, by the way. But to start this game, there was not a lot going on on offense. Both defenses playing well. There are actually four punts between the two teams <laughs> to start this game here. So nothing too crazy going on here but it would actually be Regis Jesuit who will get the excitement going here with four minutes 58 seconds left they will get the ball uh, they would start with running it and whatnot and so they uh, hand it off and then Xander Carroll on a read, read option would also run it and so here we go it's third and ten here and so third and ten Regis Jesuit they need to get the first down to you know avoid another punt here and so here's what happens Xander Carroll he drops back and then drops an absolute dime to number 17 DeAndre Barnes and that's an 80 yard touchdown here with three minutes 32 seconds left reaches Jesuit goes ahead and takes the nice 7-0 lead after the PAT now Pine Creek, you know, they're trying to get something going here. Um, they go ahead and get a nice throw to Elijah Roy. He gets them a nice first down with a 10 plus yard reception. Then after that, 
then after that you know they go ahead and hand it off to mason miller and he gets another first down up the middle and that's just as the quarter ends and so here we go pine creek they're on the 11 with a fresh set of first downs to start this quarter they're in the red zone here um they go ahead and drop back on third down and seven here trying to pass it and then Regis Jesuit goes ahead and intercepts this one. I believe that is Hayden Moore, uh, I want to say, who goes ahead and jumps this and gets um, the interception in turnover to go ahead and kill this promising Pine Creek drive that would have tied this thing up. And so here we go. They're starting on the five going forward uh, after an Alexander Carroll run. Number six for Regis Jesuit. That is no uh that's aiden chase excuse me there he goes ahead and tears off a nice 40 plus yard run and so that gets them out of their own end zone and that puts them in a good spot basically across midfield here and so carol he then drops back tries to pass it and then pine creeks justice nicholson goes ahead and intercepts and uh in intercepts him you know carol he was rolling out I, I don't exactly know who he was trying to throw to, but he basically throws right to uh, Justice Nicholson. And so he makes them pay. And so Pine Creek gets the ball back and they start on the 34-yard line. There's about 10 minutes left here in this game. And so after a handoff, they go ahead and find number 10. Uh, Cameron Cooper finds number 10 for Pine Creek on an out route. That gives them a first down. But then right after that, no, Cameron Cooper, he's rolling out right. He tries to throw it, and Josiah Harris for Regis Jesuit makes an amazing interception where he has to toe-tap this one in just to stay in bounds. But regardless, you know, that kills another Regis Jesuit drive. Or, yeah, uh, sorry, kills another Pine Creek drive, and Regis Jesuit goes ahead and takes over here. But a couple plays later, it's third and 17 after a tough holding call on Regis. A number one, Ramon Pacheco for Pine Creek makes a great play here, kind of out muscles uh, Barnes the receiver and dives for the interception here to go ahead and shut down that Regis Jesuit uh, drive. And so Pine Creek once again takes over on the 40 with about seven minutes and 10 seconds left here in this game so a lot of picks here in the second quarter uh some sloppy quarterback play to be honest with you and so here's what happened um they try running it up the middle with mason miller he is uh tackled for loss to start then he gets those two yards back and then they try to throw it to mason miller on the screen it's a little late and mason miller tries to hurdle somebody he is upended he definitely hits his head kind of hard on the field here uh but regardless he comes off the field Penalty is thrown on that play, but it's declined, and so Pine Creek elects to punt it. And so here we go, Regis Jesuit, they get it. With about 5.38 left on the 22, uh, Anthony Medina runs outside, gets 16 and a first. And another Medina carry, he gets another 15 plus yards, really 20 plus yards, to put them on the 30-yard line. After those big runs there, uh, Pine Creek, you know, they get some stops, and so... It is fourth and nine here. And so Regis Jesuit, they decide to go ahead and 
go for it here. And so here's what they call, they drop Xander Carroll back. They have someone running the slant. Carroll, he throws a nice slant route here. And that receiver makes a couple guys miss and goes 20 plus yards to the house for a touchdown as they take a good 14 to zero lead with about two minutes and 36 seconds left here in this game. Pine Creek, they are struggling on offense here and the struggles continue as they go three and out and they go ahead and punt it uh regis jesuit you know they go ahead and get the ball they do have a chance to drive down the field and so that's what they're doing you know they call a timeout with about a second left on fourth and 15 they're on the other side of the field uh they passed the, the midway point at this point and they are trying to get something going but then Alexander Carroll he drops back and he gets sacked by number 31 of Pine Creek that is Braden Mallory and that would basically end the half with Regis Jesuit up 14 to 0 and honestly not too much happens from here on out Regis Jesuit is very much in control of this game Pine Creek would receive to start this thing they would drive down get into just about the red zone and then Regis Jesuit would get another interception that would go ahead and kill that drive there um i want to say it was kai shelton uh, who got that interception regardless that is the second pine creek drive where they get into the red zone and then they can't uh score and then after that reaches just so they just put together a very very long drive here uh driving basically the length of the field here taking up a lot of time here not giving Pine Creek too much time to work with here. And finally, they get an Anthony Medina rushing touchdown with about four minutes left here in the third quarter. And so at this point, they're up 21 to zero. Uh, so there you go there. Uh, I mean, look, Pine Creek, they are struggling to move the ball. And they continue to struggle. They can't run the ball super well. Throwing wise, there's a couple, you know, just bad decisions there by the quarterback and um, Regis, their pass rush is getting there too. So there you go there. And so uh, Regis Jesuit will actually score another rushing touchdown with about five minutes left to go up 28 to zero. Pine Creek would get a garbage time rushing touchdown from Mason Miller, but doesn't matter. Doesn't affect the game. Regis Jesuit still wins. 28 to 7 getting a good win over pine creek a good quality win against a good team here and so now they're four and three pine creek is now five and two on the season but definitely a good statement win by regis jesuit to keep them going here as they get chaparral legend and fountain for carson to end the season all right now the last thing i do want to recap is uh some girls high school flag football news here we weren't able to go to the tournament sadly here uh but cody will be going to the denver broncos uh training facility here this saturday that is october 15th to go ahead and watch the first ever colorado girls high school flag football tournament the winner will be the first ever state champion uh technically so there you go there but i do have some news from the jeffco league so this last saturday each district had tournaments to determine the teams the four teams the top four teams that would go to the broncos training facility and compete for a state title here and so they have these district tournaments here to determine the district champs and then three other teams that would represent uh the school district in that uh tournament this week and so 
in the Jeffco League. What we know is that Arvada West went ahead and they won 26 to 6 over Chatfield in the first ever Jeffco District Tournament Championship game. And so there you go. They are your Jeffco champs. Arvada West there and you know uh, if you look back at a couple episodes ago I was able to watch Arvada West play they looked good you know very well coached they did their thing and whatnot and so they should be proud of making it that far uh, I mean this was expected in my opinion I wouldn't have expected anything less they did have a slight scare <laughs> against Columbine it sounded like here um, in this tournament I mean they needed a defensive stop on the two-point conversion and the final minute against Against Columbine and they got one as they beat them 14 to 12 before going on and uh, beating Chatfield in the uh, Jeffco District Championship and Chatfield they had to beat Evergreen 6-0 in overtime to go ahead and move on and like I said Arvada West would go and win the first ever Jeffco District Tournament Championship and so there you go in my opinion I've seen them play against other teams as well they are probably my pick to go ahead and win state this Saturday so super excited for them and whatnot and you know if you're a fan of football go ahead and uh, support these teams at the UC Health Training Center here like I said Saturday October 15th we got 12 teams the other top four teams from uh, the Devon from the Denver Public School District and Cherry Creek uh, Public School Districts will be there. So there you go there. Congratulations to Arvada West. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this Saturday goes. Like I said, Cody will be there to cover the entire thing, the entire tournament. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, now let's talk Playmakers of the Week brought to you by Code Red Coaching where the grind to greatness starts with the mind. Learn more at coderedcoaching.com, but they do bring us our week seven playmakers of the week, and there are a, a number of fantastic players considered for playmakers of the week. Let's go ahead and start in 1A here. In 1A, in 1A I got three. I got one of Vista's Hayden Camp against Meeker for a league here in a league game here. He went seven of 13, 169 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 30 rushing yards so there you go there in a big time dub against meeker then julio flores for wiggins against holyoke ran for 346 rushing yards five rushing touchdowns in a big time dub over holyoke there and last but not least we got keon bandy the junior out of lyman two receptions 55 receiving yards for two receiving touchdowns that's all of lyman's points there basically and then on defense he had eight tackles two tackles for loss an interception and a forced fumble so with all of that being said i'm gonna have to give it to hayden camp out of buena vista had an excellent game three touchdowns against a very tough meeker squad to get buena vista back on track most importantly he looked great in that game so there you go there now moving up to two-way we got isaiah elliott out of the academy he won 19 of 22 for 289 passing yards Four passing touchdowns, 52 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a big-time win against Steamboat Springs. Then we got Florence against uh, Manitou Springs here. Uh, Florence's Levi Paxton against Manitou Springs, like I said. 48 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick, but most importantly, ran for 207 rushing yards 
and three rushing touchdowns. Then we got Alamosa's Casey Jones in that game. He threw for 163 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Also had 82 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And then last but not least, we got Landon Clay out of Delta. 8 of 14, 92 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He also had 54 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. And so I'm going to go ahead and have to pick Isaiah Elliott out of the academy. Um, like I said, four passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a big-time 68-27 win over Steamboat spring so there you go there for 3a i narrowed it down to two players here i got ryan kenny out of lutheran against holy family he had uh, 26 carries 174 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns and then i also got durango's tyler harms against uh summit here nine for nine hundred ninety three passing yards three passing touchdowns i'm gonna go ahead and give it to tyler harms out of durango here he had a perfect game going 9 for 9 and had 3 touchdowns, so I feel like I gotta give it to him. So there you go, Tyler Harms out of Durango. Now moving on, we got 4A football here. I got Longmont's Cole Gaddis against Silver Creek. Uh, 30 carries, 209 or 211 rushing yards, 5 rushing touchdowns. Also had 4 tackles and an interception on defense, contributing to that 40-25 to 25 dub. And then I also got Noah Triplett out of Dakota Ridge in a big-time must-need win against Bear Creek on 20 carries, 191 rushing yards, 5 rushing touchdowns, 1 reception, and 36 receiving yards. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Noah Triplett out of Dakota Ridge for his efforts in a big-time win, a blowout win over Bear Creek, but also a much-needed win for Dakota Ridge. So there you go. Now for 5A, we got multiple guys on here. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Ishmael CC against Smoky Hill. Five receptions, 116 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns, all done in the first half against Smoky Hill. So he did his thing there. Then I got Legends Jaden Lawrence, the sophomore running back. Seven carries, 137 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. He also had four receptions for 60 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Uh, then I got Hayden Moore for Regis Jesuit against Pine Creek. He turned up 14 tackles, one sack, one interception in that big time dub against Pine Creek. And then last but not least, I got Mountain Vista's Austin Madreski, 27 of 42. 460 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown, uh, the last second game-winning touchdown in that game against Rock Canyon here. And so I feel like I got to give it to the sophomore quarterback out of Mountain Vista. That's Austin Majeski, 27-42, 460 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, no turnovers, by the way, and the game-winner, Come on now, that's easy money. Gotta give it to him out of um, Mountain Vista for his performance against Rock Canyon. So a lot of great playmakers this week. Like I said, a lot of big time matchups here. So there you go there. But once again, your week seven playmakers of the week brought to you by Code Red Coaching. In 5A, it's Mountain Vista's Austin Madreski. 4A, it is Dakota Ridge's Noah Triplett. 3A, it is Durango's Tyler Harms. 2A, it's the Academy's Isaiah Elliott. And then in 1A, it is Buena Vista's Hayden Camp. Those are your playmakers of the week for week seven here in the Colorado high school football season.
All right, let's go ahead and uh, talk power rankings here. Let's start on the 1A level, starting at 10. At 10, we got Meeker High School. Cody says the losing streak continues for Meeker against Buena Vista. And this, wa- this loss was a little more convincing than the ones last year as far as the perceived gap goes between the two programs. No rest here with another big-time matchup this upcoming week. Absolutely agreed. I'm not going to drop Meeker outside the top 10 just yet, but for now, they're here at 10. So there you go. Uh, up next, we got number 9, Gunnison. Cody said, with Meeker losing to Buena Vista, I don't really have an issue moving Gunnison ahead of them, but they'll have to defend this spot in the coming week. Absolutely agreed. Uh, moving on, we got Centauri. Cody said, not knocking on Centauri's big win, just giving Buena Vista credit for their win over a top 10 team. Uh, end quote. Agreed there. Moving on, though. At 6, we have two teams tied here. We have Wiggins and Buena Vista. Uh, Cody talking about Wiggins. He said, big win over Holyoke, but still waiting to see what they're really made of. End quote. Absolutely agreed at this point. I think they're, I know they're a top 10 team, but all that matters is how they perform against other top 10 teams here, especially coming into the playoffs. Uh, so there you go there. About Buena Vista, Cody said, after being down 7-0 at the end of the first quarter, everything came to life for the squad that ended the day with 41 points and a huge league win and a continuation of the win streak over the Cowboys of Meeker, end quote. Uh, there you go there. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think this was a dub that they needed to get uh, just in general. Like, they didn't need to beat them by as much as they did. But they did anyways, and so that is an extra vote of confidence there. And so for that, Buena Vista is tied at 6 with Wiggins. Now in the next spot, we have a tie at 4th between two teams, between Yuma and Monte Vista. Uh, Cody talking about Monte Vista, he says this squad has one of their more intriguing games against a quiet 4-1 Ignacio squad. But out of the rest of their games, they'll have chances to prove themselves as one of the top seeds, end quote. Um, about Yuma, Cody said, still undefeated and still rolling. Plenty of tests are still ahead, but expect them to take the number two for them. Uh, for sorry, expect them to take the number two spot for themselves with a victory on Friday. Yes, Friday will be a big one there. So, yes, um, absolutely agreed with Monte Vista. I think they should still beat Ignacio though. But anyways, moving on, Cody didn't have anything to say for number three, Strasburg. Me neither. They took care of business and it wasn't close as it should be. At two, though, we got Ray. Cody said, not going to punish Ray since the defense was really locked down outside of a couple big plays. Uh, Midcap has got to get better uh, because to win state. All right, that doesn't. Cody did not write the best sentence there, but I'm pretty sure he's saying Midcap has got to get better in order to win state. I think that's what he's trying to say here. Anyways, he said, Ray proved to me that they are the most worthy adversary to the Badgers this season. Yep, agreed there. Played them close, but yeah, Casey Midcap, three interceptions, that's not good enough. You know, uh, you gotta, I mean, don't, don't throw the turnovers, you know what I mean? There's no uh, advantage in that. Just take the sack or throw it away or whatever. But you got to play a cleaner game regardless. Lyman is not a team to be messed with. And that's who's at number one for the X straight week. I don't know how long they've been at one. But they've been here for about a month. And Cody said, way to pull out the closest game of the year. The Badger defense was on point. And as they always are. But Keon Bandy stepped up on the offensive side scoring both touchdowns. 
This kind of close win where they do just enough is a good start, but I can't imagine them only scoring 13 if they see Ray again. Same, but we'll see about that. I mean, the film is there now, so we'll see what happens. Once again, your new power rankings are Mika at 10, Gunnison at 9, Centauri at 8, tied at 6 is Wiggins and Buena Vista, tied at 4 is Yuma and Monta Vista, 3 Strasburg, 2 Ray, and number 1 Lyman. Moving on though, we got our 2A power rankings here. Uh, honestly, nothing really changed here for the most part, at least 1 through 7. But let's go ahead and start at the top here. At 10, uh, we have a new team joining the top 10, and that is berthed for now. Cody said at 5 and 1, they find themselves at the 10 spot here where they string together close wins over and over again. We will see how long it could last with a matchup against Eden this week. But this team does have some grit to them. Uh, absolutely agreed there. There are definitely a couple of spots that could have made this 10th spot here. But we both just decided to go with Berthid. So there you go. Uh, tied at 8. We have Elizabeth in Woodland Park. We both don't really have anything to say about Elizabeth. They took care of business. About Woodland Park though, Cody did say, I wanted to skyrocket Woodland to the number 7 spot, but the teams in front of them won, and I might have preferred a more convincing win over La Hunta, but they move up from the 10 spot for now. Uh, yeah, agreed there. So there you go. So tied at 8, Elizabeth and Woodland Park. And then from there on, I'm pretty sure it is the exact same as it was last week. But at 7, it's Moffat County, 6, Basalt, 5, The Academy, 4, Florence, 3, Delta, 2, Eden, 1, TCA, as all those teams got dubs this last week. And so your 2A power rankings after week 7 goes Bertha at 10, Woodland Park and Elizabeth tied for 8th, then Moffat County, Basalt, The Academy, 4, Florence, 3, Delta, 2, Eden, and number one for the oh my god for over a month now is TCA. So there you go. Those are your two A rankings. Let's go ahead and move on to three A. So we definitely have a little bit of a mix up here in three A. Starting at number ten, we decided to go with Frederick. They are four and two right now. Got a big dub, I believe, over Niwot. Uh, there are a lot of teams we considered here. Northfield, Summit were just a couple to name there. They're all kind of in the same spot at 10, though. So there you go there. But we decided on Frederick for now as they re-enter the top 10 here. At number 9, though, we got George Washington. Cody said kudos to G-Dub for not only bouncing back from their loss last week, but answering the biggest question I had for them heading into the season. And that was, are they ready for this new league that has more grit than the Denver Prep League they were in last year. Also, I think that they just shut the door on Mead season, which, yes, they basically did. And that's a solid Mead team. Don't let the record fool you any otherwise. So there you go there. George Washington at 9. Now tied for 7th. Uh, we got Resurrection Christian and Evergreen. Uh, let's talk about Res first. Res, Cody said the very first loss of the Cougar season does come against the top dog that is Roosevelt. Um, I said that, not Cody. But going on though, Cody said, and I think that is an alright loss to have as long as they show the ability to learn from it. Absolutely agreed. I mean, it was a close game going into the fourth quarter. They should be proud uh, being, you know, toe-to-toe with them going into the fourth but they got to finish moving forward. That's what it comes down to. So we'll see what happens for them. 
Uh, ironically enough, the other team tied at seventh is also the Cougars in Evergreen. Cody said the final inch with the game on the line, the Cougars have shown that the biggest obstacle is themselves. Dropped touchdowns in uh, overtime, silly penalties, getting a field goal blocked. They should be winning these games, but these close losses to the two number two ranked teams has me very skeptical if they're any more than a one playoff win team here. Uh, end quote. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they're definitely a top 10 team. I, They should win in the first round. They really should. After that, we'll see. But, uh, you know, definitely some mistakes. And it's not just on one person. It's the whole team going all around there, including the coaching staff, by the way, going all around there. So we'll, we'll see what happens going into the playoffs. A lot can happen uh, between now and then. And then once you're in the playoffs, anything could happen. And so you have to have that mentality. But you also have to be sharper in these uh, situations against good opponents. So there you go. Moving on, though, number six, we got Pueblo East. Cody said they move up with the win and a team losing in front of them. Also, kudos on being able to go into a coast mode by half when it was 42-8, to eight, end quote. Yep, agreed. Um, I know there were probably some suspensions from that Cannon game. It still looked like they were able to get uh, business done, so I'm not really tripping over it. So, there you go there. At five, we got Durango here. Uh, Cody said the Demons did whatever they felt like against the other top team in their league as their quarterback was P-E-R-F-E-C-T. That spells perfect. And the run game went ballistic. This front line has championship potential and with the weapons they have could... What? And with the weapons they have could be dangerous that is also not a great sentence but that's okay we understand what cody is saying there as durango just dominated that's all you really need to know uh summit was literally in our top 10 last week so now they're not that's how bad durango beat them uh it sucks we can't move them up but nobody else here in the top five really lost uh including number four lutheran uh, Cody said, good win to start league, and with some of the other members of this league, it seems like it's not going to be uh, very competitive for Lutheran. Keep those starters healthy. Yep, absolutely agreed here. Uh, they had a very tough out-of-league schedule to get them ready, so I'm not like worried that they're not going to be able to get tested here in the regular season. I think they're fine. They're ready for playoffs. I mean, they could get sharper, obviously, with some of the young players they have. But that's about it, you know, and they will. So there you go there. At number three, we got Northridge. Cody said uh, the Grizz still won this past week, but I was expecting a little more of a whooping of Mountain View. So I'll park them at the three spot, but they'll, they'll have as good of a chance as anyone to be the number one team by the end of this next week here because they will play Roosevelt on Thursday, which myself and cody will be at so there you go there um yeah i don't have anything really else to add to that i mean they took care of business that's what matters they're gonna have to do it again this next week now moving on at number two we got green mountain cody said what a quality comeback win 
The start was shaky, but this Green Mountain offensive and defensive lines showed me that their high caliber and the ball control they had in the second half was mad impressive. There were still some questionable moments, but they've earned the two spot for me with their most important win of the season, end quote. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I mean, I've had Green Mountain at two. Look, this is an experienced squad. They didn't lose any starters from last year. They're returning basically the same exact team. And so, you know, with that experience and all that, that all these guys have not only playing with each other, but against other teams, that's going to be huge. I think that composure really helped them uh, come back and beat uh, Evergreen that kind of looked like they were about to run away with it. So there you go there. That's a good win for Green Mountain. Uh, and then at number one for like a month in a row or whatever it is, we got Roosevelt. Cody said another day, another trial, and another successful win over a top 10 team. Uh, another one is on the docket, but Roosevelt has continued to not waver as the top dog in 3A, end quote. Yeah, Roosevelt, they've proven themselves over and over again. They'll have another chance to prove themselves against Northridge on Thursday, so we'll see what happens. But once again, your top 10 in 3A goes on at number 10, Frederick. At number 9, George Washington. Tied at 7th, we got Rez, Christian, and Evergreen. At 6, we got Pueblo East. 5, we got Durango. 4, Lutheran. 3, Northridge. 2, Green Mountain. And at number 1 for over a month now is Roosevelt. Boom, there you go. Let's go ahead and go up into 4A here. We have a couple things changing up here. Uh, let's go ahead and start at 10 here. And at 10, we have a new 10 team here. That is Heritage. Cody said, um, going to put the Eagles in here following another top 10 team's loss. Uh, that's Pueblo West. And backing up their upset win over Fruta with a thrashing of Adam City. Their ascension is quite the surprise to me, but this young core has taken huge strides this season. Yes, absolutely agreed. I mean, Heritage, they beat Fruta. I didn't think that was that big of a deal because Heritage was a quality team. And so we're going to go ahead and welcome them here in the top 10. There you go. They're at 10. At number 9, we got Mesa Ridge. They took care of business, so we don't really have anything to say about that. Uh, but they also move up here, I believe. So there you go. They're at 9. At 8, we got Vista Ridge. Cody says about... Um, here's what Cody has to say about Vista. Excuse me. He said, Dorman put on another performance that could call... That you could call perfect going over 500 yards and six tutties to no picks is why he's the best in the state at quarterback the real impressive thing here is that the vista ridge defense held sam bears it's only 72 yards after he has been doing whatever he wants all season huge plus defending the run that well since the top teams in 4a are lethal running the ball end quote yep absolutely agreed Braden Dorman he's on a historic track here uh I hey I said this before the season for Vista Ridge season preview you can look that up um it was months ago but I said Vista Ridge for them to win Braden Dorman is gonna have to play great and for them to make a deep run in the playoffs he's gonna have to be elite every week and he's gonna need some help and he has got it with his receiving core between Keyshawn and BB and then this defense you know they got a at least be decent so there you go and they were in this game against air academy moving on though at seven we got Montrose. they took care of business against falcons so we don't have anything to say here at six though we got food a monument cody said 
A pick six was a nice touch on a big win over Grand Junction, end quote. Yup, they took care of business there, so there you go. At five, we got Ponderosa. Cody said some health and quality of opponent helps the Mustangs back into the win column as they look to stabilize down the stretch of the season, end quote. Yeah, I think they're fine. I mean, Stryker obviously was a little under the weather, he heard. In that last week against uh in that game against denver south so you know he was obviously healthy for this game for him to throw over 100 yards and rush over 100 yards so there you go moving on though we have a tie at third and we don't have anything to say about either of them but it's loveland and denver south here they both won took care of business while denver south got that forfeit but still took care of business then at two we got broomfield cody says huge shout out to ct on his first career varsity start and shout out to the eagles who remain undefeated but will be transitioning into a league that seems more imposing now than it did at the beginning of the year with fuda monument and heritage licking their chops after they dispatch adam city of course end quote yeah uh absolutely agreed there it was good to see you know, CT get up in there. Like I said, Cola Crew got a week off, uh, or well, I don't want to say got a week off, but you know, he got he got some rest this uh, week uh, with that game and whatnot. So that's definitely good to hear. They're gonna need him healthy and at his best moving forward. But it's also good to know that his backup could definitely play. Which you know, here at the podcast we knew, but maybe the entire state didn't quite know yet. But now they do. Moving on though, at number one for the. Oh my god, 6th or 7th straight week here. Over a month at number 1 is Palmer Ridge in a game... uh, This is what Cody has to say about it, by the way. In a game without Gator Robinson, the Bears keep on rolling and are staying diligent week in and week out, which is a championship caliber mentality to have. End quote. Yes, agreed. 21-0 over Pueblo West. Yes, it was kind of a close game there, but they were playing away. They were playing without Gator. I mean, they still won 21-0 to here. They really didn't give Pueblo West much to be happy about. So, there you go there. But our top 10 here in 4A after Week 7. Heritage at 10, 9 Mesa Ridge, 8 Vista Ridge, 7 Montrose, 6 Funa Monument, 5 Ponderosa. Tied at 3, we have Loveland and Denver South. 2 is Broomfield. And at number 1 for over a month now, Palmer Ridge. All right, now let's go ahead and talk 5A. We definitely have a shakeup here. So let's get this thing started. At number 10, we got Mountain Vista. Cody says, These Eagles bounce back after a heartbreaker to Thunder Ridge in the pouring ring, and it showed that they can play into the final whistle and win. Being down as much as 33-14 in the fourth, Vista rallied and even pulled ahead 34-33 before Rock Canyon hit a 45-yard field goal that should have iced the game. But Mountain Vista wins on a Hail Mary that was Modreski's sixth touchdown toss of the day and good enough to land them in my top 10 for now. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I was ready to put Mountain Vista in the top 10 last week when they're up 21-0 against Thunder Ridge. Um... By the way, end quote, after he said they're in my top 10 for now. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, I was ready to put Mountain Vista in my top 10 after they were up 21-0 on Thunder Ridge. And that's a game they should have won. They're going to learn from it, though. And they did, and they beat a good Rock Canyon team. And so there you go. Mountain Vista here at 10. 
At number nine, though, we got Rock Canyon. Cody said, uh, not going to move down RC for losing on a Hail Mary to a solid Mountain Vista squad who is making their appearance on my power rankings. It might even be a good thing to lose and have that fuel and time to fix mistakes before battling Valor Christian this upcoming week, end quote. Yes, I'm going to have to agree with that one. I mean, look, hey, you can't, I'm, they lost on one play at the end. That's what it came down to. And next, you can't let that happen next time, obviously. And so they're going to learn from it and they're going to get better. For now, I still think they're a top 10 team. So I agree with Cody. Now at seven, we have two teams tied here. It's Fairview and Pine Creek. Uh, let's start with Pine Creek. Cody says, the manner in which Regis beat Pine Creek is discouraging. Coop throwing three interceptions puts a dent in my confidence in Pine Creek. And they're really going to have to show me something. End quote. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I was like, wow, man. Uh, damn. Call me Drewski because that's exactly how I felt when Pine Creek just did not get anything going at all on offense. Defensively, they did fine. You know, they gave uh, the run game some issues here. They allowed two big plays over you know, over the pass and whatnot, but they also got two interceptions. Shout out to Ramon Pacheco making a great one and Justice Nicholson uh, getting a good one as well. And so, it, I don't know. It's not like Pine Creek can't play with them, but they're going to have to be better on offense and, and more than just a running team to be able to beat them in the future. And really to beat any, you know, of these top five, top 10 teams in the future. It's not enough to just be able to run the ball. So we'll see. They still have a relatively young quarterback there. So, I mean, it's a regular season, so it's good to happen now. Move forward, learn from it. That's what you have to do if you want to make a run at state, plain and simple. Um, at seven though, tied here, we have Fairview. Cody said after clutching a close win and eating up the last four minutes of the game to seal it, the Knights sit here at seven with their biggest prove it game, uh, or sorry, with their biggest prove it win so far this season, and give give themselves some breathing room out of the top ten or out of the ten spot here in the top ten. End quote. So there you go. That's Fairview. Absolutely agreed. Almost got upset, but they didn't. Wins a win, so they move up here. At six, we got Regis Jesuit. Cody said, uh, what an authoritative win over the team they shared a spot with. That was a real welcome to what this league will feel like. And Regis Jesuit puts them in a prime spot for a bye following that big time win. End quote. Yeah, Regis played great. Uh, had a little bit of a slow start on offense, you know, through some bad picks and whatnot. Settled down, though, and found a way to win. Their defense really helped them out there. So there you go. At five, we got Thunder Ridge. Cody said, the boat continues to row for the Grizzlies, who will probably be a whopping 8-0 heading into Valor, end quote. Yeah, agreed. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, but Valor, they're looking pretty good now. You know, they're looking pretty good. So we'll, we'll see what happens going into that game. At four, though, we have Columbine. Cody said, not going to punish this Columbine squad that lost in the final minutes. Uh, in the final minute against a great team, but that is a little discouraging to see them get out muscled at the end since muscle was the brand of these rebels and their best argument for competing for state end quote. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. I mean, Ralston Valley, they're just one of those teams that will continue to upset top teams here in 5A. 
um, maybe even in the playoffs too. And so for Columbine, hey, you got to learn from it. You got to play better on defense. You know, um, that's that's what it comes down to. Well, you got to win on defense at the end. You know, if you're going to be a running team and if you're going to center your brand about defense, you got to win on defense. And so that's what it will come down to moving forward. Not worried about them. They're basically locked in, though. Uh, tied at two, though, we have Ralston Valley and Valor. Uh, let's start with Valor. Cody said, took care of business against the other irrelevant team in their league. Well, it's time to really dial it in and see what Valor is made of, end quote. They'll be playing Rock Canyon this next week, so that's what he meant there. Absolutely agreed. Asher Weiner has uh, slowly come on and has played very efficient football as a passer and runner, so you got to look out for him. You know, I love that they're kind of making it a little bit more quarterback-centric here. While Gabe Sawchuk still does his thing in the defense, do their thing as well. So there you go. Now, tied at two with them is Ralston Valley. Cody said a crazy affair where every point counted, included, including a third quarter where a safety was the only score. Ralston Valley got the ball down four with under four minutes to go and drove right down the field when Benalo's uh, stellar season continued with a nice cut and burst to score. Beating the number two team and the strength of schedule they played lands them at the number two spot for me, not to mention that their success on God is a good thing to have heading into the rest of the season and postseason, end quote. Uh, yeah, so I actually had Valor in my personal rankings, ranked at two and Valley at three. And so that's why they're tied for two in our PMC rankings here. So there you go there. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens, you know, moving forward and whatnot, you know, as they, you know, finish the regular season and head into playoffs. But at number one, for forever now, because they've been at one since preseason. The only team at one in preseason uh, is Cherry Creek. You know, they beat 5A uh, Smoky Hill in league play. And, you know, I mean, not just because of that, but they're, they're at number one for a reason. They've been dominant. Their only loss is that one to that out-of-state team from Ohio, which is a very good team that'll probably make a run at state in Ohio. So there you go there. But Cherry Creek here. At number one, I think that's obvious. It's interesting to see where this quarterback comp is going because it looks like they are finally settling on a quarterback, and it might be the freshman phenom that is Brady Vodica, who played great against Smoky Hill. So we'll see what happens. But for now, Cherry Creek stays at one with a heck of a team they have there. So there you go. Now, the 5A Week 7 Power Rankings goes at 10, Mountain Vista, 9, Rock Canyon, tied at 7, Fairview, Pine Creek. Six, Regis Jesuit. Five, Thunder Ridge. Four, Columbine. Tied at two, we got Valor Christian and Ralston Valley. And then at number one, we got Cherry Creek. So there you go there. Alrighty, and that'll basically wrap up this episode. Thank you for rocking with us. If you want to see updates, see content, all that great stuff, you know, go ahead and follow us on social media at Playmakers Corner. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and TikTok as well. We'll be posting highlights of games that we attend in person there, so you can follow us there. And then go ahead and subscribe to us on Twitter, or not Twitter. You can follow us there, though, but subscribe to us on YouTube, twitch um and then you know wherever you listen to podcasts as well we really appreciate y'all support but yeah hey we're going into the playoffs this is the last month of the regular season a lot of great things happening so be on the lookout there uh we'll be attending some great matchups here that'll help decide the playoffs and then 
Also, girls high school flag football. Last week of the season, last tournament of the season is October 15th at the UC Health Training Center. That's the Broncos facility. That's this Saturday. Go and support these fantastic athletes. The very first state champion will be crowned. So there you go. But until then, we will see y'all later. Peace.